Hey everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Mex Flentayo. We are on episode 10, Daniel. That was a good trumpet. That's I can't like, do one. I I actually really enjoy doing trumpets, and I wanted to, like, I don't know, uh, crack out a little bit of celebration. Uh, celeb- do you have any, like... A celebration, uh... Double impression? digits. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, a good, uh, trumpet, uh, song. Any like, song that has, like, a sad trumpet, it will bring, like, a tear to my eye. It makes me a little sad. Oh, I'm not going to do sad trumpet. I'm no, but just I just mean, like, like, you know, you get to the part in, like, any song, and they have, like, a mariachi kind of trumpet. It just makes me get, mm, like, real wistful. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> bro, I'm crying right now. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. You, no, you, but I want to do, like, how are you so good? At, how the fuck are you so good at that? <laughs> what is... <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I won't. You're cooking, I won't do bro. I'll, 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 I'll let people go. Yeah. Like, I, I, do you I, have a trumpet? Are you just playing a fucking trumpet? Yeah, right I just now? pull out a trumpet and and, and start going. Um, the only the the other thing I use that sound effect for is like like the idea of somebody sneaking out a fart, like. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> I was laughing. Like somebody really room. nervous. Oh somebody God. really yeah. nervous sneaking, sneaking out of fire. Jesus Christ. That was, I mean, like, look, I, I rag on you for your impressions because they mostly sound like dog shit. But that yeah, was, they must be. That was, those were insanely good. What the fuck? I just crack out a trumpet whenever I want. Holy shit. I'm like. Yeah, well, I I ended up crying. I did, so I didn't think I was gonna do it. We I I promised myself I wouldn't cry on the tenth episode, but here we are. No, I'm congratulations. These are tears of joy, it. not tears of sadness. Um, we did it, Joe. Wow, it's me as always, the true outlaw of comics, just doing outlaw things once again, <laughs> Mister Old School Ramon Villalobos, and I'm joined as always, Daniel Irizarry. The human uh, trumpet trump- they're calling you. Trumpet or leave him. Trumpet or leave it. Wow. Damn. Well, Trump's leaving. Hey, that, uh, is he? Uh, we had, <laughs> there were some people that questioned that. <laughs> I still don't know. Um, you know what's amazing I, uh... was I was talking to, like, Trump people in my family, and I was just like, when, when uh, there's, like, the Georgia elections, the runoffs, and Democrats mm-hmm. won. I was like, damn, another L. Like, sorry about that. Dominion got you again. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and, the, the Illuminati took over. Yeah, and Paul goes, uh, oh, just wait till tomorrow. I'm like, oh, you think you got some heat tomorrow? Oh. He was like, he's like, I think so. I think tomorrow you'll they see. Knew. And I'm they just knew. like, all right, yeah, I guess we'll see tomorrow. So I like went to bed. I was like, I was exhausted after the election night. I just like, you know, I feel like. Yeah, no, Georgia went long. Georgia went long, but it's been, like, every single event has been, like, like in the last four years. I just feel like it's the crescendo of, like, that specific bullshit. Like, we got new bullshit on the horizon. I could feel a new mm-hmm. day coming. You know, maybe it's just that I'm getting old. But I felt like, damn, we're, like, I can just go to bed happy. I knew, um, I knew that. T- you were turning a page. Yeah, and I knew that Democrats were going to win those two elections. I don't know about you. I don't know how. Um, it like it, it was it was 
it was visible from like the wait lines uh, to vote and from just early on the margins were good i i had a hat um my mom got it for me it's a hat that says you know mex football on the front and it has like a little <laughs> tag for the russian uh world cup and on the back of it it's like a mesh uh mexican flag so it's like green Hell white yeah. red with like the eagle in the center it's yeah every time i put that hat on it's been nothing but like incredible luck like, let me wins. let me let me run you through some of the list of this, okay? Mm-hmm. One, uh, when I first got it, well, my mom got it for me on my birthday, and I thought this is a little ostentatious, but I kind of loved it. It took like it took like an extra month and a half to get there. It came in so late. She was bummed. She's like, "I got you a hat for your birthday," and it just didn't even. It's not even close to being here. <laughs> she, I don't know what she ordered it from, but it came in, and uh, it was beautiful. And then I was like, she was like, "You probably don't even want to wear it." I'm like, "No, mom, listen, I'm gonna wear this hat all the time." like like lying to her because it's such a it's such an it's such an insane looking hat um but i you know you're describing an amazing hat yeah but like you can't wear that out just to like get yeah groceries you look kind of crazy um i mean you know i will anyways so you use it you just use it when you're drawing your sickest books i use it when there's moments of crisis or times of where nut where luck is in play so like the first time i rocked it where like incredible luck happened uh trump got coronavirus i was wearing the hat the day that it came out that he got coronavirus and i was like boys he could be dying but the hat is telling me that he is fucked (laughs) the hat was giving me just powerful just met i felt like i was connected to my living roots you know what it was like your your mexican cerebro Moctezuma was speaking down upon me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> quiet Tomek or whatever the fuck all them motherfuckers were, t- were speaking through me the aztec blood in my veins was on fire dude when i put on that hat i'm unstoppable it's like when you put uh, on that hat it takes like the shape of a leopard <laughs> i i feel like that yeah i feel like that motherfucker in apocalypto when he's like running and not getting hit with the spears it's just i'm saying like it's just it's incredibly powerful so Deep I don't. Connection. So I don't wear it that often because I'm just like, damn, mm-hmm. this is too powerful. I don't want to like, you know. We learned that they will never let a Mexican win. Yeah. A day um, with that hat on, you just you just wake up drained. <laughs> so then the other time I wore it was during the election because my boys were stressed when we were in our Google Hangout chat, and I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. don't be stressed, baby. I got the hat on right here. We're 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 gonna win this. Trump's going down, and they were just like, oh, you knew I it. Know. I don't know. I told them, listen, go to bed early. Take a nap, get some work done, do whatever you got to do. The hat's in control. This is this is bigger than us, okay? This is this is the ancient spirits running absolutely wild in the Matrix. You were talking Matrix. to them with like your eyes were just white. I spoke in, I spoke not in Spanish. I spoke pre-colonization. Uh, yeah, pre-Columbian languages. I spoke just pure Mesoamerican languages. Um, beautiful. It was crazy as fuck. So I. <laughs> And they understood me. That was the craziest part about it. Because um, you were speaking to their soul. Yeah, so they didn't believe me, but we won. We took that big W on that one. And now I only break it out. Like, So I don't wear it that often. Oh, no, no, no. That's not, Sorry, I wore it on Christmas because I went to visit my mom. And check this out. Let me tell you this amount of luck. So I go to visit my mom. And my stepbrother is a cop who lives in the the midwest somewhere i forget exactly i don't see him that Mm -hmm. often but he comes to visit and i don't know that he's coming 
And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't really want to go visit my family because of the coronavirus. And they knew that because I was bitching about it. They would be like, oh, we want to get together at this time. What What do you think? And I would just send coronavirus numbers. <laughs> but we do a <laughs> yeah, gift yeah. exchange. So I'm thinking I'll go over there and, uh, you know, give you gotta that. got to get something. Yeah, give the gifts and everything, you know, do that. And then take. we did like a Secret Santa thing. It's pretty sick. Because we, we basically just pick, like, one person. I only have to buy gifts for, like, one person, right? So yeah. it's pretty sick. You know, we we watched all the kids do. But I was just like, let's just, like, tell me that way I can just do the drive. Like, I don't have kids. I don't live in this, like, three-household situation that you have going. And I don't want coronavirus. <laughs> so, like, you tell me what time to drop by with my gift for the for the Secret Santa thing. We'll <laughs> do that. pull up. You're going to pull up, do a drop-off. I wanted to, but they were like, well, just come by at 7. I'm like, are we doing it at 7? And just, my mom just, just come by at 7. So I come by, I see my I see my stepbrother there, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't, I don't have good energy, but I have on my lucky hat. So I'm thinking I'm straight, you know? Yeah. So the, I go the in spirit, for... The spirit of your ancestors were, was going to protect you. And mind day. you, my, my stepbrother is half white. He's problematic. So I go in there. I mean, he's obviously problematic. He's a cop. So yeah, I no, go I, yeah, there. I got it at cop. But now that you're saying half white, I I know what you're talking. I love about. you know I love the kid, um. But I told him a cab, you know. You you had to let him know. I had to let him know. So I go there, and I'm wearing the hat. Everything goes fine. I go home. You know, spend some time with family. I don't know about you, but I just haven't seen anybody in so long that I'm just like, oh, it's nice. See my brothers. See my sister. See my mom, etc. And we, I come back and two days later, I get a call from my stepdad and he goes, Hey, I just want to let you know your stepbrother, uh, tested positive for coronavirus. I'm like, Oh, for real? So you're telling me the reason why, <laughs> the reason why I was freaked out and like, like the whole was entirely 100% valid, super valid. And like, they were so like, Oh boy. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't want to put you in that situation. Like I didn't, I didn't really come into contact with him. Like, obviously I don't, I don't mm-hmm. talk to him a whole lot. <laughs> like you, you weren't, you weren't worried. You were going to keep your distance anyway. I was, yeah. I mean like, you know, yeah, basically Yeah, six feet, you know, six it's, feet. It is what it is. So I was just, but I was pissed. So, but my mom, you know, she works for a, she works for like a healthcare company out here. So she just brought over like the stuff they gave her when she actually had it over the summer. Cause that's mm-hmm. the thing is like my mom, my stepdad, I think maybe some of my brothers and sisters, they've all had it. And they, like some of them like live together anyways. So like they all have the antibodies. I don't think that I have had it. <laughs> so I'm the yeah, only you, one. You, who would, yeah. You live in isolation. So I'm Comic like, listen, artist isolation. I don't want to get my roommate or her, or her boyfriend. I don't want to get them sick like we live in like you know i i basically live in quarantine from them anyways like i don't really <laughs> see them that mm-hmm. often but you know i'm like i'm just gonna like every time i leave my room i wore a mask and i you know used uh whatchamacallit like clorox just in case just like yeah to be super super sure and uh like my mom brought me over some burritos from like the taco truck that i like because she was just like kind of kind of fucked this up but but my point is my sister got tested she didn't have coronavirus i had not have any symptoms since christmas so i feel like i'm in the clear like if i had it it must have been so mild it didn't even pass over that i'm just like oh so i guess my hat provided me with the luck it shielded me from the coronavirus yeah has like a a condom for evil 
<laughs> yeah. No from hate people. can yeah. No hate can enter my body with uh, the with the Mexico hat on. And uh, so then also I predicted the Georgia races like four hours in you know before they anybody else did. I said, "Well, I got the hat on, so they can't lose." You knew. You yeah. knew. How'd you do? How'd your Christmas go? We I feel like we didn't talk about it. We 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 didn't like because for me Christmas ended two days right. ago. I was gonna say you have the uh, what is it? All we Saints had Day or uh, no? We have Three Kings Day or That's like right. Kings Day. Trejeyes um, Mago. It's weird. Like in Spanish, they're Magic Kings. Three Magic Kings. It's the Three Wise Men. Yeah, the Three Wise Men. We say Trejeyes Mago. They're yeah. three Magic Kings. I do and, know because I grew up in a Catholic church that it's a big. They're a big deal. But like, yeah, they they are. Yeah, they're, they're like huge. The, they're like Jesus's entourage in Christmas. What I love like about you will always see them, <laughs> yeah, hanging out around baby Jesus. What I love about Latino cultures is all of them will like kind of like they kind of like player hate on Jesus a bit. Like Jesus, you, think, you know that George Lopez joke where like, oh, you think you're all bad now or what? <laughs> like, <laughs> everybody does like because for me the Mexicans we put the Virgin Mary way above Jesus. We're just like that bitch. He didn't like. Yeah, he came around, but he wouldn't have got here if she hadn't miraculously given birth to a child. Yeah, no, I, I, and and I feel like something like that happens way more with three kings. Again, more maybe with the Catholics because yeah. I was raised Pro- Protestant, and they you were raised Protestant. Protestant, yeah, they I, all I was simp for Jesus, bro. And they they kind of like Jesus a lot. Let's just they love say. Jesus. They, yeah, they're they're into it. It, so wait, you were raised Protestant? You were raised Protestant, yeah. but you But we still do Three Kings Day because it's it's still it's just part of Puerto Rican culture. It's sure. not it's not seen like even in the Protestant church, I at some point dressed as a one of the kings to oh, give presents to kids. That's hella sick. So explain yeah, no, it, explain <laughs> what Three Kings Day is cuz uh, you basically this is basically our Three Kings Day episode. This is our Three Kings Day episode. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, we we it's just a, like having like three uh colorful Santa Clauses, and we always make sure that one of them's black. That's um, it. it. Yeah, it it is kind of like like the multi ethnic Santas. It's just three of them. It's the Fast and, and Furious Santas. They give yeah, they give everybody uh presents, and usually you get more presents on Three Kings Day. Not if you're an adult like me, and yeah. your parents just just shake your hand. Um, <laughs> you did it. Uh, <laughs> you got you got through another Three Kings Day. Yeah, but what was it like for you growing up? What was like the illest Three Kings Day you ever had? Illest Three Kings Day, actually, like. Celebrating Three Kings Day in the States when I was a kid living mm-hmm. in South Dakota was great because I got to like come into school, even though it wasn't like a day off where I got to play with toys, but I got to come into school and be like, guess who got second Christmas? <laughs> and kids would hate me. I One time I got like uh, some Power Rangers and I couldn't bring them to school, but I told them and made them a little <laughs> jealous, which was fun. What? Uh, um, but so like. So you, but would your parents go like light on Christmas because they knew Three Kings Day was about to be coming? I I think they just yeah they we kind of understand so it's like getting two medium presents rather than mm. like one big thing. Um, I well listen, growing up I never got one 
big thing, period. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean one big thing, I mean like no, I get the Three you. Kings the Three Kings thing was like maybe clothes. Oh sure. Like the Christmas thing was maybe like I don't a know, toy. like a couple bucks to go go spend them somewhere, something like that. I don't know. Um But Three Kings Day was is kind of a personal magical uh, thing for us. If it, it, it like it feels like we didn't have one this year, though. Oh, for real? Just because of the... Yeah, we were... we were Like, I, I did my little Happy Three Kings Day message on Twitter, like, uh, on Facebook. Some people were posting pictures of family uh, opening presents. And then, after around noon, uh, it seems as if uh, nobody was talking about Three Kings Day. Do you have um, Three Kings Day, like, separate ornaments and decorations and stuff? Or do you just, like... Let Christmas cook until the sixth. Yeah. yeah, I mean Christmas. Uh, you don't you don't take down ornaments at all on the first. That's that's crazy white people stuff or like anybody <laughs> who's American will will do that. But if you go into like a really Puerto Rican house, we'll have like the three kings. Like we'll have like three kings paintings or like it, it's sort of like this artisanal subject. So yeah. the same way you will get like uh, woodcuts of other like icons, you will get a lot of Three Kings woodcuts, uh, like very artistic, geometric interpretations because it's such an iconic uh, image. Yeah. It, o- over here, like the the bottom three stars of one of the dippers. I'm gonna say the Big Dipper. I'm not. A star man. I'm not a star person. <laughs> so the bottom three stars of one of the dippers, we just call them the three kings. So like all throughout December, you get to like look up at the sky and those stars shine bright. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you personally have a favorite of the three kings? Uh, whichever the black one is. Uh, oh, he was always your like really, or is that just the PC <laughs> no? Like answer? I, 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 I used to do that just to have fun, but like we just know that they're called Melchor, Gaspar, y Baltasar. Yeah. I like I, the racial identity of which one is which. I think it's switched up depending on <laughs> everyone's mood. Sure. <laughs> like, I, but like you didn't personally any, grow like, up like oh it, Gaspar, that's my guy. No, it isn't the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like uh, it would have been for me. I don't care if they like. I would have been like, you know, I know Gaspar's got my back. I know the other two ones yeah. are kind of which bullshit. one? Which one's an angry dude? Which one's cool with books? <laughs> which one's which cool one's... but rude? Yeah, <laughs> they 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 didn't have that. Even though that's an incredible idea for a comic, I hope nobody's listening and <laughs> takes this idea. Yeah, I know. Growing up for us, Christmas was like we would do that on christmas eve and it would always what, trip me what's out your that, christmas food what's your christmas food our christmas like, food? i mean tamales, when you got together we, we would fuck with tamales heavy i mean like honestly to me there was no such thing as christmas food it was just like whatever my grandparents would make like that would you don't have like a would, specific mexican meal that you do most tamales tamales would just like christmas food is basically you go for regular food and then surprise there's tamales <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that like was the you Christmas show up, present. You show up and it's like, damn, my grandma just like has tons of tamales now. Where I grew up, my grandmothers all made like sick ass tamales. I feel like they were all slightly different. Like my grandma Mary Lou, R.I.P. She had some crazy ass ones that were like kind of dry but like really fucking good. 
Mm-hmm. And then my my grandma Rachel, when she made them, they'd always be wetter and smaller. Also good, but like I I love my grandma Mary Lou's because they were so fucking massive. And then my 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 grandma Isabel, uh, hers are like in the middle. My grandma Gloria, hers are like I feel like the technically most accurate tamales, but those ones that I grew up with, the main the main like. They're just like big fucking lumps of like cornmeal with like some meat in the center somewhere. Those were the ones mm-hmm. that I always was like, damn, I got to get those. I got and like also my grandma Marilou would be like, OK, I'm not going to put in the extra chili. I'm not going to put like I'm not going crazy. This is about fucking hardiness. This is not about flavor. or t- <laughs> You know what I mean? So I feel like filling you. I could I like legit um, could just like eat it with just my hands like you know like in the fucking wonder Woman movie we're joking about that motherfucker just like eating it for lunch but that could be me that would have been you yeah yeah i'm like like all tamales are good all tamales are valid um but yeah like uh that corn husk shit like you 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 pull that off you just see that like steaming tamale it's so fucking good and then uh you, you know you microwave them the next day delicious that was that was the main thing the tamales is is real um, and now my grandmothers are all old. Like a lot of them are just like, oh, I'm not doing tamales this year. It's like, oh, that's, that's cool. You know, like do your thing, grandma, like don't ex- overexert yourself. But you gotta, you but gotta I gotta like go to you a gotta... store. I, I don't want to make them. That's crazy. I just want to like, how to make them, man. I'm not, I'm not. There's stores, keep... there's other people's grandmas still around that they make them and I'll get them mm-hmm. from them. I'm, I personally don't have the uh, time or energy. You know how much work that shit is? Yeah. I mean, that's why you do it on a special occasion. That's why they do it on a special occasion. <laughs> That's why they do it on a special occasion, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've been trying to, like, siphon recipes from my mom little by little to to be able to, like, I, I, it feels, I would, it makes me feel a little bit, like, generationally connected to... My grandmother, uh, my grandma Gloria, she makes the best fucking uh, tortillas. And I've thought, like, my brothers and sisters have went over there to try to learn. I've never have, but I just feel like, you know... I've tasted the best, and I'll let mm-hmm. those in my memory exist as the best. I don't need to make them. <laughs> you will. You will find other people who will make them, or I just life. will never have a tortilla that good again because the memory of that tortilla is way better than anything that I'm ever going to accomplish personally. I I can respect that. I can respect yeah. that. Over here, we got like, re- like we got legitimately Christmas food. Uh, which like is like what like ham or something no uh you guys like cut open i guess pit? it is ham it's a we basically like uh rotisserie a, a whole pig yeah i knew i knew it because you're a weird island people and that's what you would do yeah it, it, it's hilarious to, to anytime i see like documentary footage or like god forbid i'm watching like the like 90 day fiance did and you this... see did you see that episode where that dude was like i don't want to eat it that's the it, it, fucking episode I was thinking that, about. Dude, that like, one was so fucking good. I was good. so mad at him. I was so mad at him because I'm like, motherfucker, that's pernil. It's the best. It's like, like they literally only brought it out because he was coming. For listeners oh who don't watch 90 Day God. Fiance, who don't engage in trash like Daniel and I. <laughs> the 90 Day Fiance it, it is, is an incredible show. reality show wherein Americans go to other countries to find mates because they're so brain diseased that they couldn't mm-hmm. possibly find a mate in in America. So they'll go to like some country, usually the DR, the Philippines, Thailand, Russia. Uh, 
so one many of, good one of the many uh, African countries. Like they'll go to like an African. Uh, it's always Nigeria. white women going to African countries. Like yeah, like just the most busted, crazy MAGA white women you've ever seen. Like you know, oh, are we talking about the same episode with that white lady? She I mean, looks... there's there's two different seasons with white ladies well, that went. Well, to there's a, the the white lady that went to Africa, and. She her face looked exactly like Donald Trump's face. Oh yeah, yeah, Angela. And she like if you deep fake Donald Trump onto her face, it's the same face. Oh, she's a wreck. And she uh she in one of the most recent seasons, she bought him a pair of underwear with Donald Trump's face <laughs> and like the dick comes out the front and I just was like I I needed to scrub my brain of it. Like I had I I saw it and I was yeah. psychologically traumatized. That guy's under really deep abuse. But, I mean, he literally on the show, if you watch it, he literally is. But so anyways, yes. there's the show. And there was one episode where a guy, a guy who worked at McDonald's uh, and lived in like a trailer park, he like sold all of his shit. Uh, mm-hmm. And just so he can go to the Philippines to meet this, this woman. And he gets all there. these people way above their like, if, if you want to be a terrible sexist and give people numbers, let's just say like <laughs> all the people in the countries are like five numbers above the people going to like visit like the Americans that go to these countries to visit them. We're not they... sending our best people. We're sending mutated freaks. <sighs> I, out yeah. The world. <laughs> but, but yes, go on. But um, so they go out. And uh, this guy does, and he loses all of his luggage. He's stranded in the Philippines with nothing, and I don't even think the girl shows up to to like get him. But wait, uh, I feel like eventually... I feel like that's the Brazil. Isn't that the Bra- the guy who went to Brazil? That's it. No, that guy had all of his shit, but he just had a ton of it. Oh right, no, this guy Larry. This guy, listen, I, I did. I got deep into Larry when Larry was on. <laughs> so Larry goes out, and he's wearing like a white flat brim hat and like massive pants and like a. A shirt that's too small. His proportions look goofy. He looks like a cartoon character from like the late '90s, like he's on Pepper Ann or something. It was sick. So he not th- not the best bald representation ever. Oh, super bald. Uh, and he's talking to his children, and they're just like, "Dad, you're getting played, pops." And he's just <laughs> like, "I gotta follow my heart." So he goes out. <laughs> yeah, he goes out. I think he might be like part like Filipino or Puerto Rican or something. He didn't look he was like a white dude. He's just like you know. He, he was like a weird white. looking. Yeah, yeah. He looked off white. So he shows up and the family greets him, mm-hmm. and they they want to have a big you know showing to show like you know that they're truly one of the most welcoming receptions in the show. And like they the they get him this gathering. what is it called? Um, lechong. I, I lechong, think they call right. it lechong in the in the in the, in the actual episode. But like Shout when out, it's fried up yeah. like that, we call it pernil. Shout out to my Filipino homies. There's so many, I got so much love for the Filipino community. Everyone knows this about me. Every time I see Filipino but, content on Facebook, I feel represented. They are the Puerto Ricans of Asia. Wrong. They're the Mexicans of Asia. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm claiming them a little bit too well, today. I'm, cl- I'm listen. I got I got friends. My my boy R.I.P. Mike Dimayuga. I got Tony De Zuniga. I got my girl Betsy Luntau. I got, I got, I got. Okay, you, so you can much name drop. Love. You can name. I drop. got I... so much love with the Filipinos. They these motherfuckers. They basically were like, "Yo, pull up. You can get lumpia yourself. You can get pancit yourself. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy." But anyways, the point is, mm-hmm. they make him this cut open 
pig that they that they roasted like what you're saying yeah they they give them they give them some pig skin some crispy pig skin like that's a little bit of fat on it they give him like a, a they they cut him some some of the meal and he and, and he, he bitches out he bitches he out reacts, in the worst way he reacts like if you were feeding him like a human being like and, and like if you were feeding a child like not chicken nuggets he's just like <laughs> I don't want that's it. exactly the the I description and like he's it like pisses don't you her have, off so don't much you have chicken he, nuggets it pisses her off so much because she's like he's embarrassing her in front of her whole like friends and family. He runs down the beach, uh, chasing after her, and he's like, "Well, fine. What if I eat it? What if I?" Eat it? It's like it's not even about the fucking lechon at yeah. that point. It is yeah. purely about you. You came all the way over here. You claim you're in love with her. You saying all this shit, and you're gonna like spit on her culture in like mm-hmm. such a disgusting, just like uniquely American way. Yeah. Like, like, okay, like, if I didn't, like, want pig, like, for example, I don't eat red meat, right? I would, I don't eat mammals, basically. Um, but if I went somewhere and they were doing something like that, I mm-hmm. I would graciously be like, all right, I got to take the L here. You know what I mean? Like, just try it. It's, yeah. The thing is, it's not because I don't like it. It's because it's probably fucking good. But this motherfucker just reacted, like, with the craziest energy and, uh yeah meeting meeting any kind of girlfriend family you will eat whatever the fuck is on the plate that's just the rules yeah and you'll say you like it yeah that's (laughs) like and and the fact that they didn't understand this on the show the fact that these like americans in every single situation they were put in were so like incompetent so incapable of adapting to foreign cultures is what it's what creates like this visceral hate watch experience it's what keeps me coming back over and over yeah we should yeah we should uh we should maybe do an episode with my guy sam humphrey someday uh for the premium one when we start Mm -hmm. that up about an Mm -hmm. episode of 90 day fiance because he's a friend who watches it and like he's like my only friend that watches. It. No, I I watched like a season. I watched whatever was on Hulu of it. Yeah. As like as soon as the next season drops, I'm in. Nice. But um, it is we'll it is great. It but, but anyways, yeah, it's let, such a good this show. This was a good tangent. This was a good tangent. This is a good to... tangent. So you had lechon. Yeah. And usually, we not have arroz con gandule uh, on Christmas, like which yeah. is like rice with uh, I don't know how to say gandule like legumes, like beans, like not beans, sure. but they're peas soy kind of like peas. soy i guess so let's say that um and, <laughs> you're a soy boy bro and like macaroni salad uh yeah no that i'm getting christmas hungry now so <laughs> i'm not so we didn't have any food like that on three kings day what we did have was an insurrection right oops <laughs> oops we did it again <laughs> Uh, america did a whoopsie boopsie we did a no growth and the rest of the world had to spend uh the rest of the day on on twitter or just on social media so i wake up i'm hyped about this you're you're still coming down from georgia i'm still coming down from georgia and i'm like oh yeah my my uh my boy my maga my maga relative you know, I don't want to name any. He gave you a tip. Specific. He 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 sent you like the email that was like, "Don't go to Capitol tomorrow." I mean, I was like, I heard something's going down. Let's see what's happening. 
maybe maybe Trump's going to get another four years. We don't know. I mean, I knew he wasn't. Mm-hmm. But MAGA people were convinced that there was going to be some way, you know, like there was going to be like he was going to shoot the fucking the Carlton a- Bank shot and it was going to go in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it did it. It didn't go in at all. I Just like the Carlton was- Bank shot. I woke up and it was like right when they started storming the Capitol. I think when I woke up, it was like right when people started being like shoving people out of the way and whatever. And then it was just a day full of chaos on Twitter. Just like reading about the shit, watching the stuff, making memes, making jokes, hearing people say, you can't make memes. You can't make jokes. Um, yeah. Policing was, the, the policing. Yeah. Policing the policing. Of course, Donald Trump dropped a legendary video in the middle of the day. <laughs> What, what where, video was that, Ramon? Uh, there's a legendary video where Donald Trump, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the shit, <clears throat> goes, uh, okay, go home. I love you. You're very special. <laughs> You're all you very special. Home. You're all very special. I love you. You're right. You gotta go home. You're right. And... Those, the mean people. They, <coughs> and I'm they, loving it. They're stealing this. They're stealing this from us. But it, you gotta go home. This shit made me laugh so hard. Like, uh, <laughs> I was I was dying, bro. And so then I tried to just go like, like Twitter was like, oh, you can't retweet it. Yeah, Twitter's button. become a, a a fun police. Twitter, like Twitter, the like the bully has been defeated now. So now Twitter is like Mr. Big Nuts that suddenly mm-hmm. they're willing to fight any battle. Like, where the fuck were you when he was threatening war with uh, North Korea? Ah, uh, I don't know. But him saying "go home" that's the line. Okay, I feel like weird. I feel like Twitter was literally just hedging its bets, just uh, uh, like everybody <clears throat> else on what would happen on during the day. They didn't hear that I had my hat on the day before, though. Th- they should have checked with you. They should have. They should have sent me a DM, Ramon. You got your hat? Are you good? I'm like, dude, we got this. Oh, bet. They yeah. could have suspended him months ago if they knew that I had that hat on at the at you know in November. But they didn't. They didn't know if they were going to be like upsetting our new tyrant king throughout throughout before this. <laughs> so yeah, like that's the thing, right? It's like I wonder if now Twitter's just going to react to this. Like whoever's in charge, that's how we'll react to this stuff. It, it, and that's kind of how it how it has been. Like maybe this will mean that they'll start just like banning anyone who who doesn't do like the Trump Cheeto thing. So he. So I think that's so funny, and I try to download the clip, and I had to go through like three different ways of doing it because Twitter had immediately locked it down. Yeah, but I got it because I'm a master hacker. <laughs> yeah, you so, you got in through the you the mainframe through the back door. Yeah, so I clipped like a ten second part of this video where just yeah, you didn't just repost it. What's up? You didn't just repost it. I clipped ten seconds of it where he's like, "I love you. You're very special, but go home." It's very wrong what they're doing, but go home. And I I clipped it and I was like, oh, when you're in the drive-thru at McDonald's and they tell you the ice cream machine is broken. Quality We've all meme. been there. That's hashtag relatable. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm just trying to get my shit off. And so then the next day I wake up, like we all live, we all loved it. We all thought, oh, great, great bit, Ramon. I wake up and I'm going off about a different tangent. Like I moved on. Yeah, I retweeted it. Uh, I, I lamoured <clears throat> when I saw it. <laughs> I I thought, oh, this is great. This is the same as the last four years of this motherfucker, but we're finally at the crescendo because they've finally done 
like the next like the thing that they always said oh but like you know like the thing is they've been threatening they being like libs and shit have been threatening mm-hmm. this for four this, years this is what kamala harris always wanted this is no like the the storming of the capital they've been saying oh, that oh, they oh. want to have a complete fascist takeover of the government and you know who's going to stop them is it going to be the cops well clearly no whatever whatever but what stopped them was just like yeah even one person getting shot <laughs> you know what i mean yeah they they kind of like if the, if they really were going to do anything the cops had given them free reign to do so but like when you're if you go into a war the the front line's going to get shot Right, like, and like, like there's no it, marching it, into war in which, <laughs> as soon as one person gets shot, you stop and run away. Right, like how much do you like how sacred are these values and how like you know how how much do you really cherish uh, this motherfucker? Because by this point, it is not about any value system; it's just a it's love of this him. human being. They literally and, went from a Trump rally and walked on over. Like the Trump rally was like the primer, right. It was like Trump rally pregame with Trump to then <laughs> yeah, try pre-game. to throw over Yeah. To try to just overthrow like okay, the tailgate went great. Now let's see if we can go win this championship. <laughs> and Trump was like, Yeah, let's go. And he just ducked. <laughs> <clears throat> so then so then like like basically one lady gets shot and everybody's like, Oh, this got way too real. Like, cause up till that point, up until Everyone's the point where one person harsh. got shot. Yeah, everyone's vibes got harshed immediately. But it's crazy because you wa- you're watching this unfold in real time where mm-hmm. they they storm up to the gates and they, they realize there's much more of us than these, like, three guards that are holding these yeah. gates. They guards just who walk, are not allowed to shoot us. Walk right past them. Then there's, mm-hmm. like, they get to every layer of, like, okay, we're committing a crime right now, but there's so much of us they can't possibly arrest us. And they're all just, like, on an all-time high because Donald Trump has just, like ranted to them about oprah or whatever <laughs> so they're <laughs> yeah, like yeah. they're like when i was in uh a freshman year of high school and i saw slipknot for the first time right after iowa came out i'm like dude people they, they were all shit. vibrating it was an all-time high i'd never thought my life would get better than that in some ways it hasn't <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're still was, chasing that rush uh, yeah, like so. This was this was them seeing Slipknot for the first time for them, and when they go to the fucking you know when they go to the gates and they're like, okay, like I could take it to the next level. I could take it to the next level, and they're like, they like I watched the video before we did this on a uh, Washington Post. They were literally like a door away from like where all the people like the halls where mm-hmm. all the people were at. Mm-hmm. Like they were on the other side of that door. They had like a barricade of like a yeah, bunch of made, like desks uh, and uh huh barricade. Yeah, and they had one cop with like a gun out, and he was like, "You better fucking back down. You better you better chill out." And this dumb this dumb bitch gets up on the door and gets shot. And that's a DBA alert. I mean, a that? DBA. DBA. What's that mean? It stands for dumb bitch alert. Oh yeah, my bad. DBA. Um. And then there was another dumb bitch right next to her, that dude in the blue shirt who uh, it got, fa- got like, real popular after that because he was like, this could happen to you. This could happen to your kid. And he holds up his hand and it's got, like, a tiny smudge of blood. 
that, that like but that, that guy was from was that right moment. The guy who did that rant was from that moment. Yeah, he like so he was right behind her. He was kind of like helping her up in the doorway, mm-hmm. and then she fell over, and he was like standing around like an idiot, realizing like, oh man, this got way too real. And every single MAGA person there uh, was basically sabotaging her proper first aid at that moment. Like, worse than her getting shot was how these people reacted to her getting shot. They basically, like, swarmed her. Like, nobody could get in to, like, put pressure on the wound. Like, they did the opposite of everything that's told to people to do in, like, cases of gunshot. The thing is, we've had four years of people going, like, like laughing, like, giggling because they're crossing a line. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, what if I go to the here? What if I go here? And they're, like, you know, pushing the boundaries of, like, what is acceptable in a polite society until this point where you just got, like, uh, like a wave of MAGA doofuses dressed in, like, you know, people say LARPing or whatever. But, like, you know, they're just, like, wearing whatever goofy shit that they, you know... What, yeah. like we're wearing to like a like a Super Bowl party or something. It was it was like mega convention because you had some people who were like doing like uh like Mandalorian cosplay with like Pepe and a Captain America shield, just like just embarrassing levels of pop culture references. Yeah. You know, like the Dan Crenshaw Avenger type. Oh, the fucking the guy with the MAGA Civil War two Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. That shirt was so crazy. Um, like that they were like printing it out knowing like they knew what was going to happen, but they know, I don't think that they still thought there was going to be consequences because, uh, it's, it's a whole country of people who have, have put their hands up against a flame and never gotten burned yet. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they legitimately thought that, uh, everything that was happening at, uh, like black lives matter rallies were, was made up. Like, they couldn't yeah. imagine that uh, anyone, uh, any one of them could face actual repercussions for that kind of action. Yeah, and I mean, now today we're just watching them get, like, picked up. I saw somebody say, like, one of my friends was like, oh, it'd be great to see them get swooped up into black fans. But you know that's not gonna how it happens for people like this. No, they, they get, get, like, the Lexus car is going to pull up, knock on their door, and be like, are you so-and-so? It's going to be like, ah, oh, sorry, sorry, I don't want to do this, but, you know, you yeah, kind of break the law on They camera. apologize right before they take them away. We're sorry. Yeah. Ah, uh, dude, like, gonna look, have to come if I was, ugh, yeah, tough, tough break. But, uh, it was just, it was silly to watch, like, you know, unfold knowing, just like knowing when you watch the BLM riots and stuff, mm-hmm, like, or not mm-hmm. riots, sorry, BLM, like, protests, and you see how they react, and, like, also... You know, you see the BLM protests and you see agitators clearly there to agitate people who are there who are like just doing real suspicious shit, dropping off, you know, pallets of bricks and like, you know, trying to agitate. And this immediately, like with with before the shit was even over, people were just like, oh, well, Antifa was there. Yeah, because that's what Antifa does. They go places unmasked wearing Trump gear. And just like you know, try to keep him in office. That that's been the wildest. That, that's been the wildest development. Uh, in a in a wild day, like seeing people's point of view morph, like seeing the MAGA people or like conservative media, all the different ways in which their points of view morphed uh, to 
it, it's like we were seeing cognitive dissonance in action. In right, a, in because a, in, you in had a half the people way. going, I'm with them. Like, I love what they're doing. Yeah. And then you had half the people going, well, clearly nobody that I would like would do that. So that must be an Antifa person. Yes. But, like, the same person can hold both thoughts in, the, in their head at the same exact time. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. But, you know, you they're doing it. Like, that's what they were. <laughs> Like it's it ha- yeah no it's even... it's happening but that's the thing we're we're like uh, talking about a group of people who already have the the most intense tendencies of conspiracy belief yeah so as soon as like unless it's like literally the guys who were in there who can be like I was an Antifa. <laughs> like unless it's them if, if it was conservatives who were watching everything unfold online they were gonna get uh some kind of other conservative tweet that's gonna be like no this was antifa and then they're gonna be like of course it is of course like, it is it, 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 it's crazy it, it's crazy <clears throat> to it, it, it's been fascinating to see the 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 sort of implosion of people yeah. kind of uh, coming to terms with whatever the reality of events are. Um, I saw one of these, like, focus groups. You know, the Republican guy who does focus did focus groups and stuff for Vice? Yep. He was doing this Frank Zoom Luntz. call. Yeah, Levitz. Luntz. Luntz. Frank Luntz. Frank Luntz. Yeah, no, I, I was watching the majority report today, and they... they oh, I didn't watch it yet. Uh, they had a a really great clip of like a zoom call focus group um in which these were conservatives and finally like one conservative was just getting it like he was like waking up and scolding (laughs) another one for like just literally believing anything and living in this fantasy maga q conspiracy world and what this what the events of uh yesterday or, or wednesday um show is that 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 it is fantasy the the they did everything on the idea that this was their d-day this was their their moment of revolution that trump was going to uh unveil the pedophiles uh and that he had a secret group of people who were going to uh deploy justice it's like I I don't know if they were expecting some kind of like mass executions or something, but as soon as they saw that, literally it was just Trump talking. It was purely uh, Trump PR the whole time. They, they have no other way of processing that right now. Well, like the the interesting thing about it is like, like you're right. They don't have any way to process it, but. Part of the reason why is because these are people who have been told, like, since the Tea Party days and, like, before that, that the thing that they value about this country is the institutions and, like, sort of, like, the Americana, like, you know, Revolutionary War, like, bullshit. All these kind of, like, like all the stuff that when they go into this building, they see the marble statues, like, mm-hmm. the glorious thing. And I read an article where they were just confused about how nice it was in there because you think about – the way these people interact with like the country is like, you know, 
not like most of them are just like glass store owners and like yeah you know they're not like i don't want to push the narrative that these are like just poor people who like you know got swept up in the thing a lot of these people are just shitheads who got the american dream they got upper middle class and they have no taste because the way this country re- like rewards intellectualism is to just call them fucking losers and idiots and like you know confine them to corners and stuff but you know the they go in there and they what do they do they start smearing shit on the walls and like ripping scrolls off, like you know like uh artifacts of shit that they had up there i can't remember what it said it was but it was like some sort of scroll a woman ripped it off the wall and said we don't have we don't do chinese shit in here anymore <laughs> and did you not hear uh, about that? No, I hadn't heard about that, but and I'm not laughing at the the rude comment. I'm laughing at how absurd just it it's is. insane. Just, like they literally yeah. smeared shit on the walls, tore down like you know stuff with like a, a scroll with Chinese writing on it, mm-hmm. um, and just like acted like fucking assholes. Like looted the place. Like literally, we're just like yeah. ripping Nancy Pelosi's name off the wall. Like it 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 became a thing where it's like. Their whole life, they told that that was the thing that they're supposed to cherish. Those institutions, those halls. And when they didn't win it, they said, fuck it. We'll just we'll just knock it down. And one of the guys said, you know, they're lucky. We had the people here. We could have taken that place down brick by brick. The only thing that stopped them was one person getting shot. These are the people that talk about the tree of liberty must be watered by the blood of patriots and fucking fascists or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, one person got shot and then they put up their hands. They with their fucking tiny chins and they go outside. And go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And yeah. I think the difference is like I didn't grow up valuing those institutions. I have a much different interface with this country than these people do. Mm-hmm. What you know, like I I value the people in it. I don't value the just like f- I don't value the fucking flag. You know what I mean? Like it that means nothing to me. And these people do. Uh, but as soon as as soon as uh they get any whiff of resistance they're literally like shitting on the flag they're the ones who will will step on a flag as soon as like police uh give them one shove yeah like you think about you think about this country you think about like what it stood for for like you know the the entirety of our lifetime specifically but like you know broadly for the last century we've done nothing but make the world a worse place. Um, and like, why, like, you know, like if I don't want to say like, you know, fuck, fuck the government, fuck the USA or whatever like that, you know, like, cause I think that, like I said, the people in it can be good and the way I value mm-hmm. all people. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's a story that I, that I thought about today when I read about <laughs> one of these idiot MAGA people getting trampled to death while she had a flag that said, don't tread on me. Um, and it's, that's, I, I, it's, it's that? sad and poetic and <clears throat> kind of beautiful. And like, yeah, if this is, if this was in a novel, you would have a, you would have a, like a moment of insight. You would have like a pensive moment and be like, wow, that was very, uh, apropos. The country that we live in as a land, as a as a people, as a mixture of people, I think can be good. I don't think the the sort of infrastructure that we've created and the, the culture and the society that we've created is in any way like uh it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't elevate any of that stuff. It it just makes it worse. It's just it's toxic, you know? But what are you gonna do? 
like <laughs> vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, Joe Biden's gonna bring it, gonna make America great again, or he's gonna build back better. That's the one. Sorry, build like, back better. Yeah. So, the, um, anyways, the story about the lady getting trampled. The thing that yes. got to me though was a. Uh, as as a lot of people know, I was in FFA. I was in uh, I was in um, Future Farmers of America, and when I was in there, I was in a group called the Swine Club. Um, it sounds awesome. What, <laughs> what did it? It sounds awesome. Um, yeah. What What we did in the Swine Club was uh, for people like me who couldn't afford to buy a pig and show it at a fair. The school they would buy like a group of pigs and then they would have the students raise them. We would take them to the fair as a team, show them. And we get, we get to learn what it's like to raise livestock. The school doesn't lose any money. They get, they may get some for the program, you know, and then like, it's a win-win. We had a school farm. So every, every Wednesday and Thursday I would go there. Cause those were my days to clean the pig shit and feed the animals. Um, and my first day there, the first night that I had like the orientation in the swine club, um, we go into the, the hair, uh, the, the, the barn where they have like the pigs that are, there's like a, there's a weaning section where like they, they're getting like the little piglets and there's the ones where they're like more like they're bigger, but they're not outside yet. Like where they live in just like mud and shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's like this like sort of concrete barn with like a gutter so that when uh, you walk in there, you can like just go and get like a hose and wash all the shit into the gutter and you don't have to like literally like, you know, scoop it out with a shovel every time. A lot of times, yes. <laughs> but anyways, we go in and in the the pigs, they rush to the front of the pen because they're so excited because there's like new people and we're going to feed them. And one of the pigs accidentally got its leg broken it like snapped and while you were there uh, yeah like when we walked in the door like all uh-huh. the pigs rushed it it's just like you could see them as like a mass of fucking flesh just rush the gate and trample one pig uh and they're like big they're not small they're like they're not like massive fucking pigs yet but they're yeah, like but you're gonna between tiny all of them are running over you that'll no they're each like 120 pounds minimum yeah. So they all they all rush the gate and one of them snaps his legs and all the other pigs are so excited about eating that they just they they stop it and it's squealing in pain. It's the loudest squealing I've ever heard in my life. And I've heard a lot of loud squealing, but, <laughs> but it's it's, uh-huh. it's going it's like it sounds insane. And all the other pigs are just like snorting like, you know, like feed me motherfucker, what are you doing? And we're just like, oh, shit. Like, this one right here is like, it's, you could see, like, the bone through the leg. And the blood is just, like, gushing out into the little gutter that we're supposed to, like, you know, wash the shit out of. And so we're like, oh, what do we do to, like, our advisor? And the advisor's like, don't worry about it. This happens sometimes. So she called up a guy who who came over with a gun and just, like, took the pig out back and, and killed it. And uh, the other pigs, as soon as they got fed, they didn't realize anything had had happened. And how are that... you? How are you? How are you processing that, Ramon? How are you? How, like, how well, are you? My my point is, this lady just fucking got trampled to death by these other hogs, right? And it doesn't it doesn't matter to them. They are like you know swine, uh, pigs and humans. 
They, we are the like other than apes, we share the most DNA in common with them. When you go there and uh, you 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 hear them at night, it sounds kind of like people. And when you, the smells of like them uh, lactating and you know feeding the little pigs, it smells kind of sweet. It smells like milk that you know there's something there's something real viscerally human about it. And I watched that pig get trampled to death, killed. And the other pigs around it didn't even, it didn't even, it didn't matter to them. There was no sense of compassion. There was nothing. And that's how I view these MAGA fucking assholes. They killed that person and they're able to say it was Antifa. It was something else, whatever, you know, and there's not any rationalization for the harm that they've caused. Not just for that lady. Like, I mean, fuck her. She was there, right? No acceptance of it. But for the people that like the 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 untold amount of misery that that Trump caused in the last four years, and this was their trampling of the fucking hog, and you know what? They're all hurt now. You know, like I saw EVS talking about, oh, leftist soy bitches. Why don't you try to de-escalate instead of fuck you? <laughs> after about, how about you go fuck yourself? After four years of escalation, this motherfucker yeah. is is going to. Tell us to de-escalate the situation that they exploded on fucking Wednesday. Yeah. So that happened, and then the next day I got banned for twelve hours. <laughs> we didn't even. We didn't even. We didn't even touch on that. Um, you heroically uh, reposted uh, the entirety of Trump's video to get it out to no, as many people false. as possible. No, I didn't. I didn't heroically try to. Uh, I saw that. And I was like, "This guy's a maverick and an outlaw. He's guy, you know, he's, he's going down." Trump. Yeah, you yes. said someone needs to take him out. <laughs> yeah, that's why I reported you initially. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke up and then they fucking banned. My, they locked me out of my account for twelve hours, and I was like, "Well, there goes my day." <laughs> yeah, and we never heard from Ramon again. Um, yeah. We, uh, we, well, we, the funniest we, thing was like, so Trump got banned for 12 hours and then much later I got banned for 12 hours. So this motherfucker had access to his account way before I did. He had it for hours. He put out a whole video where he was like, it was like a hostage video. Where yeah, he, read <laughs> he put out, like, he put out his hostage I'm sorry, video. my bad, my bad. I didn't mean it. It's all good. He puts out, and, he puts out one of those. Um, and then two hours later he'll tweet exactly the opposite and then he'll have to put out another video it's like there's a guy who's checking he's like no you have to put out another video now (laughs) they should just like pre-record him just like 10 at once as a response for for every one of his tweets (laughs) yeah i'm sorry for the last tweet whatever i said i'm sure it was not good but i'm i'm different i've changed it's he's really perfected the the vague apology yeah i mean that last night he truly became president (laughs) And then today, I think he's going to become unpresident. <laughs> yes. He already unpresident tweeted. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, that happened. That was fun. Uh, that, that was, was exciting. That, that was, was an a interesting great way week. To lose day. Oh, the, the, one of the funnier outcomes of it, though, is I see some comic artists that are like, listen, I have to take a stand here. I have to do my part. I will no longer. They couldn't take it anymore. They said, I can't take it anymore. I have to do the right thing. From now on, I will no longer draw the Punisher. <laughs> Which is just classic, like, fucking comic dad bullshit. I saw it's those tweets like, and I cried. I was like, finally. <laughs> Damn. 
I really wanted a Tom Fowler Punisher. <laughs> it, it really deals said nobody with, ever. It, it really deals with the real problems facing America. Yeah. Which, <clears throat> which is that um, as soon as Frank Castle became cosmic ghost writer and <laughs> he started taking care of baby Thanos uh you really you really understood that this is like an extremist symbol that it's like crayola going like we we stand with where we no longer put out the color blue it is not it is not it's within our <laughs> yeah the, the the color blue is problematic we, we have to it's cro- yeah we don't want kids to make a blue lives matter flag or whatever like or the opposite of that now because now they hate the cops as well yeah it's such a weird it's such a weird so, uh, like ecosystem there. Is, is Blue Lives Matter done now? Is Blue Lives Matter canceled? Are they problematic? Uh, well, I mean they've been canceled, but is the people who No, by, I mean by MAGA people. Yeah, MAGA like, MAGA know. has the power to cancel Blue Lives Matter. We don't we don't have any power over that. Like it's yeah, like, like they can cancel Q, their people. We can't like the cancel QAnon them. and the MAGA people like them like hating cops now is so funny. Like, did you do you see that the cop who died because there was one of the Capitol policemen who died yesterday? Mm-hmm. He was a MAGA dude. He had like, a of course he, he had was. a like a Trump plane header. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no. I, as soon as I saw that, I was I was fascinated at the. At whatever was going on in this man's last minutes of his 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 mind. Like, Can I ask you a question though? Right now on this podcast, will you commit to no longer drawing the Punisher? I sure, sure. <laughs> I I, don't, I won't. I I don't. No. I I don't think I ever drew him. I don't think I ever drew I him. I I might have one drawing of him. Um, I did, and it was sick. I will only draw Frankencastle mm. with the one who, where the he becomes Punisher, sort of like a Frankenstein. Yeah. The thing about Punisher, we should do that one someday. But the the thing about Punisher is like, the like uh, I think it was like Jamal Eigel was like the... Who's that? Uh, Jamal, Jamal Eigel? Okay. Eagle? Yeah. I, I, uh, I've heard of him. I think he said like the concept has become corrupt. And I'm like, no, no, no. The concept was always corrupt. That's why it was a character that they created. It wasn't mm-hmm. because it was like he was a good guy. It wasn't like he was supposed to be Superman. I think the fact that some people took it that way maybe shows you why, like, I don't know, some of like the fucking was like, who did the war, the war zone ones like Warren Ellis or Garth Ennis or so, uh-huh. whatever the hyper violent ones that were like so, sort of glorifying that or like, you know, like they didn't handle it in a good way did. But you know, like these people don't, aren't comic book fans. They don't care about that shit. Yeah, that's like, that so was who, exactly who like one of my arguments when I was talking about this. Like, none of these Blue Lives Matter Punisher logo people are like, yeah, Garth Ennis run sick. If if they started wearing Superman symbols, are you going to stop drawing Superman? It, the fuck! It it it's kind of absurd. Like, there's no like m- Marvel. Or the people like I guess the comics Twitter is is thinking that uh, the, the the Marvel comics are way more important than they are. No offense to the way Marvel more. comics, yeah. But I think uh, I think Becky Cloonan has said like in in the response to that she mm-hmm. was like I 
you know, she got yelled at by some MAGA doofuses while she was working on Punisher. And she was like, you don't even read comics. Yeah. Like, what is, what are you talking about? Like, why are you yelling at me about this shit? Um, I, I, I put, I put which much actually, more of, this, it, this kind mm-hmm. of, this, this sort of leads us into the book we wanted to talk about this mm. week. Uh, is, is that the segue? <laughs> this is the segue. So this week we wanted to talk about JLA Ultramarine Corps. Why? Um, great question. <laughs> Yeah, that is that I, is a really good question. When you a, dropped this one, I wasn't I wasn't ready. I wasn't thinking about this at all. So please <laughs> tell does. tell the audience, tell me why we read this. <laughs> so here's what happened: we didn't have a guest this week, and I was like, I don't know, like I, I we didn't have a guest. It was clear that not a lot of work was going to be getting done. So I wanted to do something kind of brief, something that we could just kind of like do while we talked about the other shit. Mm-hmm. So I'm like looking at my shelf, like what do I want to read? You know, I asked you if there was anything specific, and you didn't really... I, I had some suggestions, but I had no uh, passionate feeling about any of the suggestions. So I was like, well, yeah, but I was like looking at my shelf, and I, I noticed that I had this trade here, again, one that I had not read in a long time, similar to the Green Arrow thing, and I was like, fuck it, let's do this, because I haven't read it in forever, and I know the art's going to be sick, so like, we might as well... And with the Ultramarine Corps, I felt like just what I remembered of these characters, mm-hmm. uh, there might be something interesting there. And I was right. You did. You basically <laughs> did the equivalent of your next podcast is going to be about the object in your left hand. Well, so like the the main thing, though, is this is our 10th episode. And I wanted to do Grant Morrison for our 10th episode because. Finally. Uh, yeah, because like. The podcast is named after one of his books, kind of. Like, you know, we did like a little play, a little pun. And so I figured, let's just do a Grant Morrison thing. Let's dip our toes. And let's dip our toes in it, but I didn't want to do something like too, too like iconic or too whatever. I wanted to give the listeners something to think about. Not just like, oh, yes, obviously, I've already read All-Star Superman or I've already, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so the Ultramarine Corps just seems sort of like ripe for, for this. Um and also, it hits in the sweet spot of it came out in 2005, which was like, I think you and I talked about sort of Yeah, it's that like little, a golden era for us. It's the golden era of comics. So so did you know anything about the Ultramarine Corps before we started this? Not those specific characters. Any info you may want to give me is context for <laughs> who these people are, because I'm fascinated uh, about what they become in, in, yeah. in, in this miniseries, but I have no idea who they are. So I'll, I'll run you through it because I, I I reread the uh, they had a when I said this one for some reason I thought they explained who they were in this and then when I read it I'm like oh this has nothing to do with their like origin or like what their deal was so then I just read the Justice League book and I figured we'd run through that as well so they first showed up in a uh, Justice League or JLA when Morrison was writing it towards the middle to end of his run and. I think it was like issue 40-ish or something like that. But um, they show up as the Ultramarine Corps, Tomorrow's Army Today. And basically, they're like uh, super soldier, like military uh, superheroes that were created to fight the JLA, who at the time had become more like global heroes. Mm -hmm. So like before that, the JLA was specifically like Justice League of America. Yeah. And when Morrison took over, he was like, that doesn't make sense. Like we should make them global. So he like took them from the Hall of Justice or whatever, put them on the moon. So they had like a moon base so they could look over the whole world. 
because like it doesn't make sense that superheroes are only looking after one country's best interests. Yeah. But Morrison, smart guy that he is, realized that then when you do that, there's some good like there's some good backsplash of like, well, how would that affect the United States, right? Which is what they had always been protecting theoretically. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, well, what would obviously happen is the military would be like, this is problematic that if these superheroes, these people that are like, you know, living weapons, if they were to become uh, at conflict with us and, you know, our our interests globally, like we would need something to counterbalance them. So like, say if the United States had some sort of like skirmish with, you know, I don't know, like Venezuela or something and the justice league sided with the venezuelans and not you know the imperialists how like what would we do militarily against superman you know so they said here's what we'll do we'll make uh the ultramarine corps and the ultramarine corps were described as four courageous marine corps officers who volunteered to penetrate an unknown dimension and were saturated by a new element called proteum and it's uh, four superheroes. There's Warmaker One, who's just like a dude who's living energy, and he has like these different rockets, and he kind of looks like Hal from uh, um, what should we call it? Um, yeah, two thousand one. Space Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand one, and he's just like you know this dude with like a silver helmet with like a little red light at the center of it, and then he has a uh, Flow, who renamed himself the Glob, and he has his consciousness put into just sort of a giant like uh liquid thing so he could like change from like gas to liquid to like freeze himself it's like pretty sick and then they had 4d who's capable of going into dimensions two three and 4d and then pulsate who somehow uh tapped into the unified field harmonic which meant he could like control gravity or something they don't really explain it they're just like that's what he does yeah, it's a morrison that's, book like, there's no it's part, explaining. It's part of the fun of that Morrison book, which is like he was kind of doing a thing where it's like, ooh, remember how fun the Silver Age was where we were talking about science fiction, but we didn't really understand it. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like like fly by the seat of our pants explanations for why the Flash is able to run so fast. Yeah. But yeah. like really these characters are like analogs of the Fantastic Four. Um, Like, you know, flow is like the thing, but instead of rocks, he's water. Like, 4D, mm-hmm. instead of going invisible, she can go into, like, the fourth dimension. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's some interesting there's some interesting stuff with, like, what his thoughts were about, like, you know, this. And plus, there are, like, four people who go traveling to, like, you know, instead of space, into, like, a new dimension. And they get, like, showered instead of, you know, cosmic rays, protium. And that's kind of where it ends, because, like, it was just, like, the idea of a super militarized Fantastic Four. Question. Yeah. Uh, the characters that we see, of the characters that we see in Justice League Classified, who is left from that story? Like They're all in it, yeah. They're all in it? Yeah. They're all in it to like I, varying I, I, I know Glob. I see, I see Warmaker. Warmaker's in there. 40 is the uh, the black chick who doesn't really do a whole lot. Okay. Like, okay. Kind of like the invisible woman. Yeah. And, <laughs> She's just kind of there, useless. And the other one? Who's the other one? The other one is the guy who 
has like these uh, circle lights on him that uh, the Nebula Man oh, takes okay. over his body. Yeah. yeah. So, so that so, that that person would be an analog for who? For like Reed Richards? Like who was that guy an analog of? I think he's yeah. Like the last two are kind of shaky because there's no real Reed Richards. I think that's supposed to be War Maker One just because he's the leader. Mm-hmm. And I think. Then, like Morrison's thing is that guy's made out of cosmic energy. Yeah, he like hacks fire. Like I, I love his thing in the miniseries. Like his, uh, the way Morrison just drops that he's like, yeah, he just edits and hacks reality, yeah. and, and 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 you cannot think about it any further than that. You, you, it's yeah. impossible. Your That's your how brain shuts into the unified, yeah. field harmonic because it's not it's not fire that he controls or like. His body's not made of fire. It's made of like gravity and like all these things mm-hmm. that make up the the reality around us. But he's also not like a hot like like the glob and the thing are like one for one. Like he yeah. talks like him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh-huh. So yeah, so these characters, uh a military general, General Eiling, he decides uh he creates them. So that they could, you know, counterbalance against the Justice League in case they ever get into, like, a fucking skirmish. And the president, he has a meeting with the president where he's like, here's the thing. I don't trust them now. We should just, the president, does. the general says this. He says, I think we should do a preemptive strike against the JLA. And the president's like, I don't know. That doesn't sound good. That sounds like a bad idea. And General Eiling's like, well, I have a giant milit. I have, like, four superheroes that could destroy you. So I'm basically throwing a military coup. Uh, appropriate (laughs) yeah very appropriate so he just tells the president like you are like your opinion is not uh, interesting to me i'm going to set this up anyways so he manages to get the justice league all in one area in like a place that looks like phoenix arizona but i'm not sure it's supposed to be i think they reveal later that it's like actually like a uh like kind of like a soundstage like a big recreation of phoenix but it's basically Phoenix. There's a bunch of people, whatever. Yeah. They all get there and it's basically a turkey shoot on the JLA. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting like visual because you have like these symbols, gods, like a literal angel. And they're all just being absolutely fucking annihilated by these four superheroes that are just like these military, uh, Marine Corps, like literal, just like a Marine Marines. Mm -hmm. And they're just like laying them to waste and they're like leveling the city like like phoenix is just like you know the buildings are crumbling people are like running around it's like they're doing like a bunch of little 911s on this city you know and for, the whole time for the preemptive strike for just for the idea of having a, a the concept of a justice league that is not under the control of the US government yeah so they say okay what we're going to do is we're going to get them all here, trick them, and then just, like, beat the fuck out of them, kill them. And then they get everybody, all the Justice League members in Phoenix, and they start leveling the city. And while they're beating the fuck out of the Justice League, like, like you know, Flash is out, Green Lantern's out, Azrael is out, you know, uh, Huntress is out. While they're beating everybody's ass, the superheroes are still trying to save people. Mm-hmm. And the Marine Corps, like, the Ultra Marine Corps are like, wait a minute, wait a minute we're fucking destroying these guys and they're still caring about like these people and these buildings that are like crumbling, like, you know, like what's going on here. And they, they realize like, why are we doing this? And our, uh, one of them says like, well, we're following the president's orders. And then they have like a real existential crisis. Like 
wait, so even if the president tells us to do something we can see is bad and we're fighting people who we see are good, like that, we're just going to follow those rules anyways. Like that doesn't seem right. You know, they had the, they had, they did the bit. They were like, uh, are we the, are we the baddies? Yeah. Then they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we the villains here? So while they're, while they're coming to this realization, Batman sneaks into General Ellering's base and General Ellering is like the, you know, the, the general who would like did all this and his deal is he's been dying of a brain tumor so his mind is fucked up and his his method of solving that is uh there's a character there's an old justice league villain called the shaggy dog who's just like this big body who's like uh is like really hard it was really hard for the justice league to beat him because he's just unstoppable every time he gets some part of his body blasted off it regrows he's just super strong he's like the hulk you know and uh, he wants to implant his body into that body. That way he can get rid of his weak human regular body and be in a superhero himself. So he's trying to do that. And he basically uses the Ultramarine Corps to retrieve the body, but they don't know about it. Um, they do that basically before the turkey shoot. And uh, Batman figures this all out. Cause he's Batman. He's Batman. He's, like in yeah. Morrison's Batman, he's always just like around on the fringes being like, Oh, this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, he just tells the reader. Like, I really enjoy oh, hey. Batman in this series. Like, as you're talking about that, uh, I'm, I'm talking about like how those things kind of reflect on the book that we, that we are reading. And yeah. yes, I, I, I love that that is consistent throughout. Like, Batman yeah, it was Batman. Morrison's way to write Batman. He's just extremely cool. Like, he'll make a little joke, but he's just kind of like, you know, mm, whatever. Like, <laughs> he's, you know, he's just always kind of on the outside while everybody else is doing, like, the big fights and stuff. And mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, hey, this is how this works. Um, So, so Batman is figuring this all out. And he also figures out that the, the Marine Corps were lied to. And... Uh, they never actually were sent to a different dimension. They were they were sent like just to a different place and showered by this experimental proteom shit, and it gave them powers, but um, it's killing them also. Like it's poisoning them, so they're all dying and they didn't they didn't know. But they're like you know when they're in this thing with the Justice League, they are like getting fucked up too, and they're just like, wait a minute, I don't feel good anymore, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So when they figure this out, it's basically they're they drag Superman into the middle of the street and they're like going to kill him. And Warmaker one is like, like, dude, like you're such a good dude. I don't want to fucking kill you. And then Superman's like, I don't want to, I don't want to kill you either, bro. <laughs> so then they decide to just like link up and they go fight the shaggy dog. They go like, you know, Superman's like, hold on. I got something for you. Let's go fight this motherfucker. Like he, they kind of all figure it out together. Classic justice league thing. Yeah. Like Superman and... sees the good in them. They realize that they're all dying because of this motherfucker and they go and they just unload on his ass and they just like blast him super fucking hard into a transport thing, like a pad, mm-hmm. and they just beam him into like a, a crater in the middle of space. Like they, they do like con to him basically from the like, you know, Star Trek. Yeah, that that never. Oh, oh, is that a, a whole Star Trek reference? Bro, come on. I watch Star Trek. I don't watch Deep Space Nine. That doesn't count then. <laughs> um, so he gets conned. So, he gets conned. It, it, does this mean he that? Gets conned. Does this mean that he comes back later in any kind of relevant 
Uh, I don't remember. I, I'm sure of it, but I just don't remember. Yeah, so he gets conned from like the the original series. He doesn't Wrath of Khan. Yeah, no, he doesn't Wrath of Khan. That I I don't remember. It does. If it does, it's not relevant to this. Yeah, and if if it does, uh, and the listeners want to tell us, keep it to yourselves. We don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if he comes back. It's not relevant to this episode. At don't tweet all. at me. Don't look up the fucking Wikipedia and be like, "Well, actually, he comes back." I yeah. don't care. I'm talking about the Ultramarine Corps. Yeah, that's who we're about. This is an incredible team. Yeah, go on. They have a they have an epilogue, and the epilogue, the president who's like looks like Clinton. They do a Clintonish thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, oh, thank you so much, guys. Like, I feel real bad how we kind of killed you all. Like, we were poisoning you, and we mutilated your bodies and now you're superheroes but you can all have jobs in the white house if you want <laughs> he offers superman and and like war maker one in his crew Just like people who like and lose the primaries yeah 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 he like kind of gives him the pete Buttigieg, like sorry about that war maker one you can be my <laughs> thank, you, thank you for your sacrifice you uh we're gonna put you in charge of transportation hey be real though how is my clinton that, that was actually pretty good. You want to say a little bit more of uh, it to these uh, to the Ultramarine Corps? Like, our bad. We're so <laughs> my bad. We're so, I'm, my bad. I'm sorry. I, I'm I was sorry. hanging out too much with. You said, "Do I want to do it?" Then you just started cutting me off. This is why you're the interrupter in chief. Interrupter in chief. I'm sorry. You interrupted me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you did that. How, how could you do it to me? Um. Anyways. Uh, Superman's like, dude, I'm Superman. I don't want a fucking White House job. Superman's great. I try- Superman's like, I'm gonna try to suck your dick, dude. Uh, but the Ultramarine Corps Warmaker One goes, we're honored, sir. But I speak for all four members of the of the Ultramarine Corps, and and he says the S on Superman's chest says more to me about honor than any flag. He denounces his Holy citizenship. Shit. He apologizes to Superman. Superman's like, hey, it's all good, dude. Don't even trip. Like, Superman at this point is like, like, damn, this motherfucker, like, I think he does love yeah, me. Yeah, Superman's like, being, dude, like, fatherly. Like, he was going to kill Superman earlier in the day. And in between that time, he's just fallen in love with this dude. Like, he was like, damn, this dude represents everything. And, like, if I'm the Justice League, I'm like, dude, I was there, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, uh, excuse Like, if I'm Aquaman, I'm like, excuse me. Uh, I was also fucking badass in that whole thing. I was rescuing people. Yeah, I was doing stuff, too. But, it, like, Warmaker 1 loves Superman. That's his, like, primary thing. So he says, like, I don't want to, like, we're all leaving. Like, we're not even going to be in the Marine Corps. We're not going to be Americans anymore. I denounce my citizenship, you know, apologize to Superman. And uh, he says, we're going to do our own thing. And Superman's like, well, what are you going to do? And he says, we're going to do whatever the JLA can't do. And by that, he means we're totally willing to fucking kill some people if we have to. Because <laughs> he's a Marine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, the ne- then they show up at a groundbreaking and they say, people should not be alarmed. Ours is a free state and all are welcome. All that is willing to dedicate their lives to world peace and stability. Here among humanity's greatest folly, Montevideo Ground uh, Ceremonial Park, Ground Zero's Memorial. I don't know. I think that's where the like the Ellering and all that shit happened. Like it was like you know they fucked around on this like memorial. They on this like uh, some sort of place or whatever. It says we begin to work on our noblest endeavor: manipulate gravity fields and create the ultimate city of tomorrow. We'll call it Superbia. And again, Superman's like. 
<laughs> chill, chill. This <laughs> dude's like, like a uh, stand. Could you uh, get off my dick a little? Like, yeah, like, do you have to, like, I, I look, I flattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does I'm it have honored. to be me, though? C- can't you call uh, it? Can uh, it be Bat- yeah. Batabia or Aquamania? Ultra, Ultrabia? <laughs> so, Superior hereby declares itself independent from all nations and opens itself up to super champions from four corners of the earth. We intend to serve at a first-strike global peacekeeping force. We will kill if we have to, and if we have to, we'll let you know. He says, terrorists, despots, and corrupt businessmen. The International Ultramarine Corps are here, and there is nowhere to hide. Which is sick. <laughs> I love it. He's like, listen, we're going to be superheroes. We're not going to be the fucking Justice League. We're going to be around. Like, we're not living in the moon. We're just creating... They create a floating city that is just kind of, like, floating around the world. And if if they're, you know... It basically, like, you know how I said, like, oh, what if the Justice League were to get involved in, like, an international conflict? Mm-hmm. Like, the Justice League would never do that. Is this... But these guys are like, we will do that. Are these books, <laughs> like, uh, around the time the Authority is coming out? Uh... So, that's what I wanted to get. That's what I wanted to... I, I we're, we're getting there. Okay. So, so this comic... Uh, so, then, uh, then they show the new heroes. So, they show Knight, Squire. Mm-hmm. They show... Um, Golraiko. All of them. I can't... What's up? Go Raiko. All of them. They they show all like they show all the international ones. The Tasmanian Devil. I think mm-hmm. the only one who they don't show is Jack O Lantern. I like Jacko. Um, I would just call him Jacko. It shows all of them, and they're all just like hanging out, and it's like you know Howard Porter's '90s style. Mm-hmm. Then it cuts to Aquaman and Wonder Woman. They're talking about it, and <laughs> it's a, it's an incredible cutaway where Aquaman's just like superbia, uh, fascistopolis, more like it. I've lived too long. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i know how the story ends mm-hmm. right like you can't like even though they have the best intentions i know what a militarized superhero th- like we all know how this is going to end it's not going to end well um and so so the reason like, i'm glad you asked if this came out around authority was that uh i was reading up on morrison's book because it is fascinating this superhero team for morrison who is such a like sort of like a peacenik guy like he created a militarized superhero team and then was like but they can't be for any country they have to be about peacekeeping like if there's going to be this thing they have to be like there has to be some sort of like goodness to them Mm -hmm. and i think the reason why like first of all the reason why i never caught on was they never did more of it but the reason why i don't think it could have is because there is that sort of like that like um I feel like there is like leftist underpinnings to this idea, like an internationalist force of people who are their own state that, that, you know, they govern specifically. Yeah. It's sort of serving as an anti-state. If there's two warring nations, they're just going to get in there to make sure there's peace. If they have to kill tyrants, terrorists, or fucking corrupt businessmen. I love the last one. Cause like, you know, he motherfucker had to get his shit off. He's like, Ah, yeah, you know, you know the the three biggest issues that would cause these conflicts, and that last one is probably the most important. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because it's not like the Justice League really go after corrupt businessmen that much. But you know, there was only only Green Arrow. So I was reading his thing, and he was talking about like it's in the chapter where he talks about how he sees the waves of like of like trends of in comics where like you'll get like these these eras 
where th- people want like sort of like polished, clean cut like things, and then things to get a little like darker, grittier, or whatever, and then it goes like back and forth. Like he he arch- he articulates it way better than me, obviously, yeah. right? But what he said is, I tried to articulate the outlines of the next trend by out by introducing it to the pages of Justice League, the Ultramarines, which was he thought that the next trend in superheroes was going to be what basically came next, which was like the authority, mm-hmm. you know, wanted the ultimates, like basically all of the Marvel stuff after the ultimates. Like he saw the two thousands coming in like 1998 or 1999 or whenever this one came out. I can't remember. This book came out like later to the, yeah. Oh no. Uh, 2005, the ultramarine Corps did, but he wrote the justice league to introduce them mm-hmm. before he left for Marvel in 2001. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. I'm seeing so yeah. many of the parallels so, of what would eventually become the authority like Stormwatch. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this came out right before that, but the idea was like, he was doing all these justice league comics and he felt like he had ushered in a wave of like nostalgia dad comics that made them feel really uncool. Cause like after this, you get like, because of the success of JLA, you got like the JSA comics and you got like the sort of kingdom come. Like it was stuff where DC really leaned into like, okay, this is our brand. Like the golden era of like superheroes is like this and the silver age of superheroes and all this shit of like back in the day is is like pure and good and cool you know Mm -hmm. and he was just like i can't do that like he said that there was a cloying yearning for fun and moral simplicity so he created the umc to be predictive of the next wave but in my opinion like the the problem was it is too like they were too well thought out you know like we were talking about the powers of those different characters and i think they're way too interesting to be the ultimates yeah. or <laughs> you, or the authority. Yeah, you know these, what I mean? All of these characters are high concept. They're all high concept. And what you need for those is like, oh, they're badass. They'll kill you. They have guns. Yes. And they're basically Superman. And, and, That's and it. so I, I feel like uh, from, from that, you get like the boys. You get all these other concepts yeah. like like the idea has been quote unquote refined uh, till we get to these anti-hero comics yeah like morrison's morrison's thing is like it's like it's it really is about about goodness and like the purity of like the human spirit mm-hmm. you know and like the way he writes is like a lot of like sci-fi but like that's written like it's poetry like it's lyrical and like fantastic and it's not like go to hell motherfucker this is america <laughs> Which is what we want, which is what people wanted after like 9-11, yes. right? Like the the Ultimates comic and the Authority comics where it's just like much more crassness and crassness is much more real than like a superhero, which will, oh, I forget the character's name. You remember it's like the big silver one that uh, speaks only in like math yeah, equations Goraiko. and that's what? Goraiko. Yeah, Goraiko. Like they only speak in like math equations, yeah. And, and their power is like this beautiful supersonic explosion every time that he lands or like he slams. He's like a cosmic sumo or like an atomic sumo. Yeah, that could never be what the authority no. is or the ultimates or like yeah, like these militaristic characters. Like he was right about militaristic characters who are not like okay to kill. And, like, you know, have moral complex questions that they're dealing with. Like, he was right that that is where we were the going. The characters he created he, here are almost up to the task. 
Yeah, and the thing is that what 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 America didn't what American audience is what they wanted was something kind of stupid. Yes, and they wanted they, got they it. wanted they just <laughs> wanted a Superman who would kill. Yeah, but they just didn't want to be Superman because, like, he's right about like that cloying yearning for fun mm-hmm. uh, and moral simplicity. And that's still something that's popular for comic readers. But I mean, it isn't then. Ultramarine Corps International uh, a response to that exact same, like, uh, a return to that exact same, like, uh... So super, you mean the one that we yeah, read? Yeah, the one that we read. It's basically sort of like a return to that purity. Like, he set it up in those comics in the in the 90s. Then he left to go do Marvel stuff, and it, when he was at Marvel, um, he did the X-Men stuff, and, you know, it was, like, revolutionary in its own way. And, like, he had them wearing, like, leather jackets yeah. and neon, and he wanted... he want, I think he was, like... He was riding that wave of he knew what would be what would be tight, but the problem at, that he had at Marvel was was he was kind of boxed out like, like it sounded like politically because of like the people who were in charge didn't really like vibe with what he was doing, so like he really only kind of got to do like a big run on on X Men at all. He did not do too much at Marvel. Like it was just new X Men. No, it was it was Fantastic Four, One Two Three Four, and uh, Marvel Boy. And I think he might have done, like, some of the uh, scroll Kill Crew or whatever. But, you know, nothing crazy. Yeah. Like, th- th- those all, like, m- mini things. And meanwhile, like, the ex, you know, at DC, he had just gone off of, like, redefining the way that company looked with his JLA stuff. Like, the JLA book was, like, extremely important. And this was, like, a thing that he just did in there. Because he's like, I think this is what's going to be next. You know? Mm-hmm. And while he was at Marvel, kind of, like seeing he was right but he wasn't the one doing it i think it i think it was like pretty frustrating and while he was at marvel he said like he basically wrote all of seven soldiers of victory like just anticipating him coming back to dc he got fomo cuz uh like he didn't he like yeah like so seven soldiers of victory which i'm sure we'll get to someday but um he he the ideas that he had are not suited to the moment that he want that he saw that he was that was existing while he was doing the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And um it said like while he was doing there, he had like a reserve of ideas that was like behind a dam that was ready to break. And the reason why I was so excited to talk about uh Ultramarine Corps was because it sets up and it has ideas of stuff from his Batman run. Seven Soldiers of Victory, All-Star Superman, Final Crisis. So, like, 2005 to 2010, there are, like, ideas and things that are in this that are in all of that. And this was his first book, like, the very first thing that he did when he came back to DC. Because this sets up Seven Soldiers of Victory. So, he had been, like, in this Marvel wasteland where they he was just doing, like, X-Men books. that He was, you know, they're they're great, mm-hmm. but they're not, like... You could tell that there it's him trying to do a Marvel thing. And none of his ideas were allowed to grow. Yeah. I mean, like, as soon as he left, they, like, retcon shit, changed the costumes back. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, they, they as soon as he left, they scrubbed his name off of, off of the X-Men, like, run that he had had there, you know? And, uh, I mean, I think that's unfortunate because that shit was so good. Yeah. But when he came back to DC, it was, like, an explosion. It was, like... Of, of the best comics I think ever made. Like, in my opinion, the stuff that he did in that little era, and that's that's 
I think primarily because that was my era of being like a fan, right? Like when I got into comics, that's what he. No, nah, but reading this book, I can I know what you're talking about. Like read like, just it's yeah, yeah. It's just an explosion of like, all right, I'm here, motherfuckers. Like, but like I'm not I'm not fucking around. Like this book that we're gonna talk about, which is like this all building up to, like he. He was like he was ready for this shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's one more thing I wanted to point out and he, that he wrote um, when he was at D, when he was at Marvel and he was frustrated. He wrote in a in the in a, his book that he wrote down. I don't want to tell him yet that it's because these highs aren't high enough anymore because the buildings I jump from just aren't tall enough because I've taken morally ambiguous urban thing as far as I can and now. God help me. Now I want to visit other planets and dimensions and fight rogue gods. Like that was his mentality is like all this shit that like I knew was coming. The ultramarine core, the militarized hero shit. Like I knew it was coming. I was ready for it with the ultramarine core, but I'm ready to do something bigger than that. Like that shit is nothing. He to was me. over it by the time it arrived. Well, he like, he, yeah, by the time it got there, he was like, this shit is yeah. played out. And he just wanted to do, he wanted to think bigger and think more along the lines of like, these characters are not like, they're not in our world. They're in their own world and they are bigger than us. And like, I think he was right. And this book was the first sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I was just going to say was like, by that point that he came back and did this book in like 2005, like everything old Everything that he had said that was going to come had already been there. And I, I think that was the new dad comics by then. Mm-hmm. Like what he had did with JLA had already been done by that point. Like, you know, he worked with Brian Hitch and he, he said that, you know, it was great experience, whatever, whatever. But that like aesthetic, I think, was kind of played out by the time it was uh, time for him to like do All-Star Super. Yeah. You know Ultimates what I mean? was coming out. This was becoming the norm of like cinematic comics, gritty, real cinematic comics. Yeah, it's done. It's played out like that. That is the new dad comics. Like that's all the MAGA chuds that storm Capitol Hill. They all want to be like Ultimates. And he's like, we're bigger than that. We are better than that. Like, here's the new way. And I think there's some so, of that in all that being in, said in, in Flex Mentalo. Like, There's some of him predicting this new wave as well there. Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, we're not getting into into that. Uh, But that's all leading up to say, this week we're talking about JLA Ultramarine Corps. (laughs) At the the one hour, one hour 30 mark, here we are. Yeah, here we go. So Daniel, now that I've said all that, do you want to explain what this is? Uh, the, The... Thanks to all your uh, additional context, I, have, I feel like I have a little bit of a better understanding of what's going on in this book. <laughs> but right. it is it is a three part miniseries, uh, d- written by Grant Morrison, drawn by ex- exquisitely drawn by ex- uh, uh, Ed McGinnis and uh, Dexter Vines. Dexter Vines on a legend, inks. Uh, who's a legend, and by the way, um, if you. Like he's one of the greatest inkers I think ever, and like yes. you check out his GoFundMe because he's having health problems, and you know if you could donate anything, what's cool. I just wanted to throw that out there because I know like that went around for a while, but yeah, yeah, definitely amazing. important. Get that man. One of the best, uh, one of the best, like I think 
penciler inker combos uh, mm-hmm. like that I you know that I like to go back to. Actually, the other reason why I wanted to review this was because I did also want to do Batman Superman, but I wanted to do something like good for the tenth episode. So <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's focus on. On a Graham Morrison written, Ed McGinnis drawn, which is like such an interesting combination. I'm not, I don't know how much more they work together, but this is like, I I have, I have some notes here in terms of like just Morrison working with Quietly and me being a kind of a purist yeah. uh, of, of that uh, collaboration. But Ed McGinnis really does a hell of a job. I it's hard sometimes for me to read Morrison's voice in other artists' styles. One of the things that Morrison does though, like you mean other than quietly? Yeah, other than quietly it's hard for me to read Morrison's voice sometimes. Well, Morrison when he works with quietly, I think he has so much more trust in quietly than other people that he does he lets quietly do a lot of the storytelling and he will just write like beautiful things next to it. Mm-hmm. But he like Sometimes I think he, when he's not working with him, I don't think that's the case in this book, but sometimes that can be the case where I think he maybe overdoes it. Like, I feel like in Justice League, it's so wordy because he's like doing, he's, yeah, he's, he's doing like, heavy lifting. I got to do a lot of lifting on these comics. Not that they're like badly drawn. I thought the ones I talked about earlier were sick looking mm-hmm. and those were Howard Porter, but like, um, you know, this one is amazing. They it, were, one of the things I, I, I noticed like about Porter it I, was like a, an artist of that era he marked that era and ed mcginnis feels much more timeless one of one of the things that i really love about ed mcginnis in this that i never noticed before was how much trad more stuff reminds me of ed mcginnis mm-hmm. like there's so many parts where he's doing stuff where i'm like damn this looks like fucking trad this is so sick um like not nearly as like over the top as what like trad more would do but like yeah, the cleanness. so many moments the the so, yeah it's exaggerated in similar ways and it's uh, willing to do like interesting things with like layout and stuff in the same way. I think. Yeah, no, uh, the layouts in this book are incredibly considered. Like yeah. there is so much thought put, and I guess this is something that maybe we'll, we'll, we don't have access to like, unless we see the scripts, um, like how much, like was Grant Morrison being like, yeah, so the pet the panels are all now like bubbles, um, <laughs> and, or was Ed McGinnis just seeing like this is a glob page? I'm gonna make it a glob page. Um, yeah, that that's that's hard to say. I don't know, but uh, there's so there's some good stuff with like the it. the page layouts that you clearly tell is Morrison. Like whenever they go into uh, yes, there's strict. like a there's like a mini universe. They yeah. they do like a sixteen panel grid. And they killed like every single one of those sixteen panel pages. What'd you say? They killed every single one of those sixteen panel pages. Like that is how you do one. Yeah. So so uh like let's get into the story though. Like one thing I want to point out is every time that we talk about a Morrison book, I have to go crazy on the first page. Cause he's a dude who I feel like every time he does the first page of a comic, he's making a big statement. Yes. Like the Almost every single book that he does, the first page is like, a, you could tell some shit has been on his mind and he wants to talk about it. Yeah, and he this starts. One, he starts with the the like like a thesis. Yeah, yeah, and in this one, it starts out with these militarized heroes and they're talking, and he says the JLA is a wall. These terrorists are quite literally animals, 
Now, when this book came out, <laughs> it's 2005. We are deep in the middle of, you know, the Iraq war, mm-hmm. the war on terror. So, like, I don't think he's being the slightest bit like, this is what happens. You have military guys. They're going to, like, literally look down on people from on high. Mm-hmm. Like, these people, they're in, they're on their floating city, these three characters. And uh, War Maker 1 says, you know, that the, the, the heroes are AWOL. Like, Use we don't know the, where they're the at. The term AWOL specifically, like. And I love that the first line is actually a, um, it's a, it's, it's like a math equation because it's like literally just like, here's a formula. Like, this is the formula. This is, this is how you do this thing. You know, like, mm-hmm. so then he goes, want to bet the international Marine Corps can wrap this little insurrection up in what? Let's give it 10 minutes. Like, there's just like this arrogance. And I remember going into Iraq, going into Afghanistan we're not going to be there that long. We got this under control. This is not a problem. This is this is not an international. This is not going to lead to a war. This is going to be a squirmish. We're going to win. He says, "Who needs the Justice League?" Then he says, "Shock and awe, gentlemen," as he like drives in, as he like flies into uh, a war zone. Like it's not like it just looks like images of Iraq and Afghanistan from that era. I mean, it's not. They're going to like uh, Africa. They're going to literally Africa. It's, yeah. They didn't stay a city. They didn't stay a place. It's Africa now. It's under siege, so, being invaded by sick-ass covert ops guerrillas. So him showing just like sort of the, the hubris of the U.S. Or like, you know, I think they're standing for just like more like international military. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think U.S. just because... It wasn't just the U.S. in in any of these wars. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, the, the Australians were with us. The everybody but the French were like, "Oh, let's go," <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it's an interesting thing to have his international peacekeeping force from like just a few years that he like seeded. It felt like before he could do what he needed to do, like he was going home. But, like, he forgot that he didn't flush the toilet before he left. <laughs> you know? So he has these superheroes that they're, like, cool-looking. They're cool. They're superheroes with, like, a, I think a good... It was Morrison trying to say, if there has to be this thing that I don't even agree with, how would I How would I handle it? And then when he came back, he's like, I can't handle it. We got to do away with this. So this was, like, a house cleaning for him. This was him doing, like, a quick vibe check. Said so the vibe is off. We got to clean these <laughs> vibes out. Yeah, he basically he he is uh killing his babies. Well, not really, but <laughs> thematically, I, I wouldn't say that. But so like, so like, th- let's run through the story. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. We start off. Uh. This. This. The. The ultra. The ultramarine corps are descending on on literally Africa, and yeah. they are uh taking care of this invasion or this this insurrection uh. That that's going on uh, by uh, we 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 discover Gorilla Grodd has has attacked this city. But one thing I want to know is uh, when they show Knight, who is the British Batman who lives with the UMC in uh, Superbia, uh, he's listening. He's like riding around on his motorcycle and he's listening to Sex Pistols, which is so it's so funny to me because it's like I mean a it's supposed to show he's British. And like of a certain age, but I think it shows also like just like the commodification of like punk rock. Like Morrison was always much more like hippie-ish than that shit. 
and you have these like sort of aggressive like punk rock uh, and it's just like this dude who's you know another militant superhero guy like it's 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 showing like the aesthetics of that shit aren't that different it's always you know boots and shit you're mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you you're seeing way more of that when i was just like oh yeah that's the guy from uh, batman inc right like <laughs> like that's that's where that's where i recognize him from so reading uh him as uh sort of like the violent character that is shown here was was yeah. uh um being like I don't, discovering I, a little bit is, more about the character i don't even think they're overtly violent they never really do violent stuff in either of the comics but they are dumb and they are not pure because they are you know, from an impure, like, source, I think. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, this is a page, that I, if we're on the same page, like, this is a page that has, like, some really crazy angles. Like, Ed McGinnis yeah. is, ha, has uh, War Maker 1 shooting upward, but the entire panel is sideways, and I saw that, and I was like, holy fuck, this is amazing. Like, there is there is no cleaner comic than an Ed McGinnis-Dexter Vines joint. Yeah, so, so they're going around, they're, like, killing all these... Uh, or not killing, but they're like you know yeah. fighting these apes. One of some of the apes get killed. Yeah, I feel like there um, there's there isn't a consideration of if they're alive or not. They're just being taken out. Yeah, Goraiku Goraiko like electrocutes two of drops, them. I don't think they survive. <laughs> he drops in uh, with a beautiful haiku. Yeah, and um, so yeah, the so they see Grod and Grod, um, Grod is on some. PCP or some shit. Like, is Grodd yeah, always this fucking, like, hopped up? You know, I don't know. Because I don't... <laughs> I don't know to, like, the thing that I like about him using Grodd is, like, it's literally just, like, a primitive, uh, like, superhero villain Grodd is messed he up. Just, like, he dusts it off and he's just like, this is the villain for this thing. Uh, like, we got a couple old ideas clashing and... You know, we have like what he's going to bring in. I feel like his new vision of superheroism, uh, which is just, you know, old, but like new again. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 interesting. Uh, but yeah, he's super hopped up. He is like fucking yeah. going nuts. And I think it might be because of uh, who he's linked up with, which is the Nebula Man. Well, I mean, is are they are they uh, partnered before this? Like yeah, okay. I mean, he wouldn't be doing. He wouldn't be taking over this. It like, uh, the thing that's hard about this is like the way it, it's it's super tightly written, where you find out that the reason when they say the Justice League is a wall, it's because the Justice League has shrunk themselves to go into a micro universe of uh, what's it called, quirky? <laughs> the infant. Let's let's um, call it the infant universe. Uh, it, it's called yeah, the infant universe. It's called. I, I I was gonna make a joke like how do you think uh Grant Morrison pronounces it like cook cook uh, I can't I can't how even would you do, uh, even do a, a Glaswegian accent to pronounce I can't cook? do any kind of Glaswegian it's, accent it's cook I don't even try I feel like that's disrespectful it's to my to my heroes it's, cook. <laughs> it's an infant universe called cook yeah see I just can't do it um I do vague Irish and to me it's Scottish too. But yeah, like uh, Gorilla Grodd is like, I'm killing a bunch of these motherfuckers. Like, what are you gonna do about it? And he's super they find out the up whole reason. Eating people. What's that? Grodd, he's fucking eating people. 
Yeah, he's going around just eating motherfuckers, and the whole reason why he's doing this is that he so that he can get so that he just so that he can get the uh, the Super Marine Corps there, like in Africa, so that they could. Um, I don't even know what to say. Like, it, how, it's how do a you trap. Describe what they do. It, it, it's a uh, like using this invasion as a trap to get uh i I feel like it's just to get as many superheroes there as possible well it's it's to get superbia there oh okay i i I didn't get superbia there but then they do something to create a massive emp which takes the power out of it and it's a giant floating city that runs on you know electricity so it 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 goes down like they crash it and then once he does that, then he's able to go in there and start just, like, eating motherfuckers. But his plan is is more to, like... Was his plan to get the... the the what, What's this guy's name? Master? The the guy who uh, calculates and edits? Yeah, he's his name is Master now. It used to be Sensate. Right. So, Master. Uh, was his plan to, like, get Master to interface with the, the universe... Yeah, so the problem is that the character that of the Nebula trap? Man, he's extremely he doesn't really say what his plan is or like what he's doing. He talks real like he talks real crazy because he's from the uh Seven Soldiers of Victory. Mm. Uh it's the main villain of a different comic that's like four trades long. And it was Morrison's whole idea of like what if I did a superhero story where there's a team book but the team never meets until the very end. <laughs> So, like, he has this guy, Nebula Man, and uh, these little, like, uh, creatures. I can't remember what they're called. They're so fucking crazy. They're in here. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that they are... Uh, are they mind-controlling Grodd? I think they're mind-controlling, like, everybody. I think that's why they're so crazy, by the way, Daniel. Is that why Grodd's insane? Yeah. I think there's one point where you see him on the back of Grodd's head. But I, I don't I don't know if they, they're, like, compelling him to, like, eat people. He just wants to fucking eat everyone <laughs> so much. Um, and I like um, I, I was just sort of like taken aback because this is a book. This is a book that's so super heroic and silver agey and not silver agey. It feels new. It feels more yeah. m- modern, but it's still like it still has Grodd like gnawing on bone with shoes on. Like, yeah, and that 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 I think when he does that, it's one of the superheroes from Superbia because Superbia is like there's a bunch of superheroes that live on. Yeah, it. no, uh, uh, all of them. eventually, eventually, like when we get to like issue, I don't know if it's issue two that it finally happens, but you see that Grodd has basically eaten all of Superbia. Yeah, yeah. So so once they get once they crash Superbia and they get Master in like this little weird infant universe thing. I don't know what it fuck. It's like a little. It's like a little box that's made of stars, basically. Which invades and him when he when he tries to probe it. It invades him, or it, it yeah. It and then, creates catch, a and then Gorilla Grodd catches War Machine, and I love I love this the symbolism again of Gorilla Grodd, Silver Age sort of science based uh, character that's like you know it's like a, it's it's old, it's kind of corny by this point, mm-hmm. but he's like cracking War Machine like like Bane did to Batman. He's just like you called I'm him. Letting that you just called him War Machine twice, and now I forgot what this dude's name Ugh, is. Warmaker, 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 one. right? Warmaker one. 
Um, uh, yeah, no, yeah, like so it, it's like a, breaking him over his head. Grodd is having a like, good time in this issue. Like a what's that? <laughs> Grodd's having a good time. Like he's yeah, there's he's just something them. like visceral and primal about like the him destroying this character as like you know Morrison destroying that archetype that 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 era of superheroes that you know he knew was coming. He didn't. I wouldn't say he was like. That this these characters are of that it was supposed to be I think mm-hmm. the idea would have been they would have done that but like you know they weren't wearing the leather jumpsuits the way the Ultimates do they're you know they're not doing that thing mm-hmm. there's no seams on their uniforms basically is what I'm saying you know what I'm thinking about Master and this is maybe a tangent but like the idea of the Fantastic Four that you like a militarized Fantastic Four almost makes Master seem like a like, what if the Fantastic Four had had Doctor Doom instead of Reed? Yeah, he kind of looks like he it. He kind of reads I mean... a little bit like like what Doctor Doom would look like if he came out of uh, like the cosmic radiation. Yeah, it, the the Fantastic Four thing, I think it was like... Because Morrison also, when he did Seven Soldiers of Victory, like, that was a, supposed to be a, an Avengers... Like, what if the Avengers were at DC? Like, there's Guardian, who's clearly Captain America... There's Shining Knight, Frankenstein, who's clearly supposed to be the Hulk, but there's not perfect an- analogs. Mm-hmm. I don't think he cares about it beyond like the ones that he cares about. Yeah, no, about, I, you know? I didn't mean to like get us off because he's tangent. not he's not trying to do that. He's just kind of like doing his own thing. Yeah, he he's using some some stylistic starting points, but yeah. we basically here see like evil winning. The idea of this. The introduction, uh, if this is like uh, an episode of TV, like this was the intro, like, yeah, uh, these... and then it cuts to Batman and then it cuts to chilling. the most epic or like classicest shot of Batman. This is like, this is the era, I think, where a lot of that original art was being sold. And this feels like a piece that would just sell regardless. And I feel like maybe Ed McGuinness <laughs> is doing layouts thinking about that maybe like well i don't know I mean, this isn't like a splash page this isn't like the splash but it's got the batarang just sitting it's in a got, chair it, it feels like a, a a page that that's got everything you want out of just batman art yeah i mean it's it's cool i don't know about he's like doing it for the yeah I, i'm or whatever, not i'm but... not i'm not accusing ed McGinnis of anything because this is awesome uh, I, it is there. cool though because and i was thinking this is definitely one where grant didn't write they're in little bat shapes it was probably just <laughs> panel one panel two panel three panel four. yeah no ed McGinnis is like is batarangs um and so alfred has like the powerpuff girl hotline phone ready for batman and yeah. he gets a, a, a surprise call that he shouldn't be getting because it's impossible. His number isn't out there like that. But uh, Squire did it. He finds out that uh, what's happening. And Squire is the the Robin to Knight, the English Batman, who has, like... One thing I love about Graham Morrison is that all he has to do is, like, mention an adventure that a character's been on. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's a full character. Like, the English Batman is, is is like, his the, the son of the English Batman who was murdered by his archenemy, Spring-Heeled Jack, who's the evil black sheep of the royal family. 
That's one of my favorite things he does too. When uh, me and my buddy Craig did a comic, we we tried to do that a bunch where we were just like, it's so hard. We're gonna show the character, yeah, and we're just gonna explain, you know, casually their whole history in like one line, and it's like, you know how that happens, and then you just move on. But you create a world like that, and it makes it definitely is a thing where like Morrison had much more ideas mm-hmm. for characters than he had the capacity to tell their stories, and yet like even that gets like referenced again and again like uh spring heel jack isn't like this isn't the only time he gets brought up like as a one-off line um he yeah. builds on these ideas in a really uh impressive way um like this whole exchange between alfred and batman is just chock full of just morsels of really great uh world building like alfred's like uh, I do still send Christmas cards to the surviving members of the Club of Heroes. like Yeah, which is something that, you know, we, we see in uh, Black Glove, which, fuck, I, you know how badly I want to do Black Glove sometime, by the way? I, I, I didn't know. Black Glove and R.A.P. I want to do so bad because of the, like, Jeffrey Epstein kind of stuff. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just feels like Morrison got close once and was like, you guys, you don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> or he just watched Eyes Wide Shut or something. Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, the, the film that, like, sparked a thousand uh, theories. I don't even want to say conspiracy theories, just theories. Well, you know, it's just the yeah. nature of what it's about. But that's one that, we'll, that we have to and do so, sometime. Yeah, but, uh, Batman says he's going to open the sci-fi closet, which I don't think Batman would actually call something a sci-fi closet. Like, one, like one caveat to Morrison, he's amazing. I just, I don't no. think he would call it the sci-fi closet. I think he's just, you know, casually referring. He calls, you tell me he has a Batmobile, but he won't call it a sci-fi closet. Yeah, no, because it's the, his closet where he keeps all of his weird shit. I feel like he would call it the 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 meta uh, no, strange. Now you're thinking too much. Closet. He would call it the the wacky weird closet. Well, he gets out a big glove. Yeah, yeah. Sit. He gets out uh, what 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 we find is a boom tube gauntlet, but I think it's an excuse for Ed McGinnis to draw fatter fists than than usual. <laughs> it's like, how can I get than these even fists possible? even bigger? Yeah, so we yeah we cut we cut to back to the the crazy action. Uh, Grodd in and his new friend Nebulo, Neb- Nebulo, are Nebulo. I don't know. It says ne- Nebulo. Yeah, they the huntsman. They they're having a good time. He's he's monologuing. Grodd is on his on his shit. But squires, squires, uh, getting away. There's, there's hope. Uh, we we get again another really interesting like crazy panel layout. I feel like Ed McGinnis is an unsung, uh, quietly type. I mean, we're singing about him right now. Yeah, like I yeah we are singing about <laughs> Ed McGinnis. I don't know how often he he definitely has the popularity that he deserves, but. There is I, th- a... I, know, I think he's still underrated, though. I, I don't you think you think, he, think Ed McGinnis is underrated. He deserves what? Do you think he's underrated? Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's ever been considered like, uh, like not since the Batman and Superman era. Like he's never been considered like the A A list kind of dude. Like he, they'll put him on random shit, and I think he should only be doing the big shit. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, this is That's this like... is so well done. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I that's just because I have such a high opinion of him. <laughs> I'm just like, nah, there's no way you can overrate him or rate him properly because I think he's so much better than than he gets credit for being just, like, now in, in the business. Yeah, and I think I see a, a, a similarity between him and quietly different approaches to a lot of things, but the panel, the, the panel layouts, the cleanness to the pages like he doesn't i don't know if i do see a lot of similarities between their panel layouts i mean sometimes he'll do like the i wonder if mcginnis was doing some of those like twisted like panels that are like falling over Mm -hmm. kind of thing because he's working with morrison like look if i was working with morrison i would do that constantly yeah (laughs) but i don't know if like you know a lot of like the overly designy things i don't think quietly would ever do like he would never make a thing in the shape of a of a bat like like that page we we kind of like skimmed over it but the page that's like has that panel three panels in the cube yeah that layout floored me because it read really well you knew like it had like these different scenes around the cube while the cube was itself an object in that had its own background that was uh really good like this could turn into just praising ed mcginnis art honestly like the Grant Morrison plot, the the way everything sto- told the story, great, but uh, consistently like finding books that look this good is is a rare thing. Yeah, so Batman's talking to Squire, and Squire finds Batman because she is a communications expert. She can, you know, she can. I don't know what it means, like hack phone lines or whatever the fuck. That's what she's good at. So, um. Batman and her, she's, she explained to Batman the problem and he's like, yeah, I figured this would happen someday. Like, it, of course it would happen the day that the JLA is out. You know, they're in the, they're in the infant universe of Quirk. It's Q-W-E-W-K. I guess Quick. If you, yeah. if you want to pronounce Infi- those W's, sure. It's like Quick, Quick, Quick. Quick. They're in the infant universe of Quick and it's, you know, a little, a little infant universe that they have as well. Like, so there's two little infant universe boxes running around in this book. Um, and, um, yeah, but he says like, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Bat- Bat- Batman in his rescue, uh, uses the sick ass gauntlet to yeah. pop them, pop them out into again, another really amazing Morrison thing. It's just JLA's remote lab on Pluto. Yep. Don't think about it any more than that. Don't, it, it, bothering to think about it ruins the point of the comic book and what he's got in that lab is not just the infant universe of quick which he had but he also has spare justice league members he has all of his justice league he has a, friends a, a, as whole, robots. a whole bunch of replacements yeah so then we go into the infant universe of quick and we have issue two sick issue two yeah yeah uh we we get we get the introduction with the 16 panel grids yeah, it's pretty sweet. I love I love these pages, and I think um, I, I was the one thing I will say is I was confused of who was writing. Like, I guess it's the guy who's writing, but I thought it was Superman, like enjoying the fact that in this mirror universe, he could like keep a diary for himself. I think it's supposed to be a little confusing, but the guy is Black Death, who is a supervillain in a universe that exists without superheroes. And the Justice League are trying to exist in that world without being superheroes. They're trying to like be move around in the darkness and uh still like save people, but like, you know, um they're they're chasing down a villain 
Yeah, they're who's killing people. They're limiting the use of their powers to the extreme. And th- yeah, because they don't want to infect this universe. And they with the only appear in their in their outfits and silhouette, which I think is very beautiful. Um, that uh, like the glimpses you get of these characters, you shouldn't be seeing them. Yeah, the. I, like I think the point is though like it's a universe with no superheroes they don't want to like you know they don't want to infect it with this thing you know like they don't want to like blow people's minds too much so you know they they're trying to save people without being the justice league meanwhile batman and squire like you need to get out of there uh we need the justice league yeah batman has <laughs> squire know? on on communication duty Basically, he he entrusts her with reaching the the Justice League any way they can, and uh, at the same time, the Justice League is trying to thwart uh, Black Death, which they like, which the opening scene shows us. Like Black Death is spiking a woman's drink, and Superman very. Um, subtly knocks the drink over before the woman can can drink it um it's it's very beautiful uh display of heroics in in mm-hmm. uh in this limited capacity and limited uh, uh, limited in the panel layout as well like this is this is a panel layout that's meant to tell you that this is a small world and that all the panels are small and uh, it 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 isn't. I I just love the transition yeah, I, from I love, this page to the I, I next. I love that it's a sixteen-panel grid for, and the reason why is very specific. It's not just done for like a needless stylistic reason. Mm-hmm. It's done because he's trying to convey that they're in a a tiny infant universe. Yeah, you have to squint. So how you everything is small. It's everything's teeny instead of being like you know everything, you know. It's not just a 16 panel grid for the sake of it. It's a 16 panel grid because there's a reason to. It's because they're tra- it's story driven. It's not just style driven. Yeah, and every it's single one really... of those panels is used uh yeah to to create this. It's basically like you are l- looking at this universe with a uh, uh microscope 16 by 16 or like whatever this panel uh, size is and you can just catch glimpses of what's going on but you cannot pull back any further you can only see these moments and you feel like you're lost as you're watching it you're always like you're never catching the full detail of someone's face you're just getting a uh, close-up they're moving it feels like you're looking at this world through a microscope yeah it's it's pretty neat and so, anyways, it cuts out of that, and you see Squire like trying to get in touch with them, doing yeah. Her she's mission. She's mission impossible. Like a, impossible dangling. Yeah, she's mission impossible dangling, and it's Batman. Like, all right, uh, I'm gonna go try to deal with the situation with my robots. And uh, then it cuts to um, Nebula Man and uh, Gorilla Garage is fully in their glory, and this is when he has. Uh, yeah, he's he, he says, "Have you ever eaten superhero uh, nebula?" And he goes, mm, "Tough, but well worth the effort." <laughs> like it's so sick. He's such an asshole. At the, yeah, this was definitely a uh, a bit uh, mortifying to watch. Like I get it; it's comics; it's fun. Like if I get to draw something like this, it'll be fun. But I'm always shocked. Uh, 
whenever i see a scene like this it's really well done i really love nebula man's design here he kind of looks like a manga character yeah he he gets sort of like his own shape whereas in the in the first issue he had assumed master's shape now he's feeling himself yeah yeah uh it's (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a it's a new presentation for uh the the reality that these villains are creating uh, they're doing their monologue. They're uh, setting up the new normal or the, the, the new regime. Then we cut to the remaining uh, Ultramarine Corps who are trying to regroup. They still think they have a hope. They're, they're about to like get their second wind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're having a, a, a discussion on... What what they're gonna do? But they realize the master is uh, not himself. Yeah, and that's because you turn the page and he's got one of the little what do they call him? I I can't remember the name. It's a one of the spine riders of Sheed. Spine riders. That was the name. Yeah. Yeah, if, and if you had read Seven Soldiers, um, these are little guys that will attach to people's bodies and take over them and like control their their minds, and they're like little evil imp things. It's it's pretty fucking sick. It is, it is, and they, I feel like they set it up really well because it feels like this, this character, Master, has already accepted his fate. Yeah. And everyone else is coming to terms with it. And it it's a, it's a really interesting way of, like, eliminating what would be the rest of the resistance. And... Uh, fucking up 4D. I don't like. I feel bad for her. She <laughs> doesn't. She's she's just used as a cannon fodder to like show how serious the the series the the plot is. And Gorilla Grodd again. I, sorry, I, I turned the page and he's just looking nasty. He's his fucked up <laughs> mouth is like slobbery, messed up mouth. His thing. Are you asking me? Or are you? I mean, I, I, like, I'm, I'm... I think this book has gone so f- crazy of like what Grodd is. The only thing, like you know, I haven't read too many comics with him in it. Like I, I'm not a big Flash guy, but one of the you know one of the only things I know is remember that thing from a that, like meme where he's like Barack Obama <laughs> will kill you. Yes, that's that's my main exposure to Gorilla Grodd is him approaching young Obama in the 70s or in the 80s or whatever. Yeah, it would. It, he's like he says it would be almost an honor. Like he does, he wants to insult him still a little bit. Like he can't <laughs> like him, but he has to pay lip service to what what a revolutionary figure Obama would be. Uh, hila- yeah, hilarious so- little bit. You should. You really should be on these CW shows. I'm not watching those fucking. shows. You gotta watch at least Arrow. No. Um. So back to the back to uh, Ultramarine Corps. They realize that Superbia is no more. It is in Grodd's mm-hmm. belly. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He's killed all of their friends, <laughs> and he's really enjoying telling them. Yeah, and uh, they throw them the dead body of of Warmaker. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, again, it's it's just cool symbolism of this sort of big cosmic like crazy new Grant Morrison character. He's made of a cosmic universe. He's teaming with this like old thing and they're just discarding like it's trash 
of this whole era while they well that of that existed in comics while he was away just like doing X-Men or whatever. <laughs> he's like he's like you know I was out toying with the mutants like you guys had fun with the shit and uh no we're back. <laughs> like the shit that matters is this now throwing it away. Uh like uh yeah. empty can of what seltzer water? um yeah no we get we get uh a lot more of the important ish like monologuing uh grod's plan and the the ultramarine corps get assimilated yeah they uh we we see that glob has uh he's already got one of the spine riders of sheed inside of his water his water like glob i guess his, his then, juicy body and then they grab knight bring him into the body and then the sheet attaches to him as well in an amazing glob layout thanks to ed mcginnis yeah and then it cuts to batman flying in he calls he calls grot a philistine which is sick <laughs> he rides in on a plane with all of his justice league homies behind him uh, like you know, here to save the day, here to save the Ultramarine Corps. Grodd is just fucking blasting on him with a machine gun, and you know they get into a fight with the Justice League and the Robo Justice League. Uh, the Justice League gets washed. <laughs> they get fucked up so fast. Yeah, by the Ultramarine Corps. It, it wasn't. It, it, the plan doesn't go well, but Batman gets a kick in. Yeah, yeah, they get they get their they get their money shots in for the OA market. Now that you think that uh, Ed McGinnis is just in it for the cash. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like this kick, this kick with Batman. That's that's a you can sell that page for like a good, cool a cool five hundred probably. Uh, yeah, they're uh, they're controlling Master, so Master just sees all these robots that are Justice League members. Like, oh, they're robots. Shuts them down. He like freezes their body temperature. And then, like, cracks them into a billion pieces. And Batman's like, well, that went well. <laughs> and, then, and, uh, they, and they show these... I, I appreciate that they keep showing the Spine Riders in, in these panels. Yeah. Like, they, have, they have them on. And nice use of a, a stat panel there. Uh, like, you don't, you don't really notice it. There's some good coloring. Um, and... That's the end of Batman's attempt. Like, uh, what's his name? Nebulo fucks him up. And the the Justice League is no more, right? <laughs> yeah. Your pacing on storytelling is kind of crazy. I, what, 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 do you, what, what should, should we have been focusing on there? No, I just mean, like, the way you tell a story is like, and then he did this, <laughs> and yeah, and then Cause I got Because I got my notes, and, and my yeah. notes are kind of like you hear that. Me, you hear me cooking when I'm telling that story earlier? I'm I'm just like, let's go. Let's get it done. You're just like, and then uh, he sees do you, a thing. Do you want to get deep into... No. I want you to... I, I want to get the story over with. Well, let's go. Let's do it. Let's burn through it. Do it then. I, you're the. I, when we listener, dear listener, when we started this, I said, Daniel, I, you go ahead and take the wheel when you when we go over this, because I forget things. Daniel says, okay, and then he, this is what he does: take him or leave. Him. Um, and then Grodd <laughs> has Batman's head. He kisses it. You motherfucker. And 
he says, I'm going to eat you. And then the Ultramarine Corps are there. And. All right. So Grodd, he's like, go go forth like thunder and destroy. But we cut back to the 16 panel layouts. And we get a, a very satisfying. Do one impression of me telling a good story. <laughs> we get a very satisfying conclusion to the the infant infant universe. But please, no, uh, you tell it. To what? You want me to explain? You want me to take over for the last issue? You got this far. No, 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 no. Now we now we're gonna judge your story storytelling. Uh, okay, so we well, I, first of all, I didn't take notes because we talked about this. We were like, "You go ahead, and take notes." I'm just going to take down vibes on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we come back to the little mini universe, and Cyril, uh, Cyril says, "All right, we need you guys. Like, you know, we we figure out the Black Death. Heat this motherfucker's out. Um, Justice League boom two back into reality, and they start of." Uh, where did they go? Yeah, uh, Batman's you know about to this get is eaten. What happens when you don't have notes? This is bullshit. Batman's about to get eaten. Um, yeah, it Nebulo... ends, the issue ends with Batman on a spit roast, getting getting done up like some lechon. <laughs> yeah, Batman is the lechon today, and uh, Grodd is celebrating. He is. Let me ask you a question: If you, if you Daniel were going to marry a gorilla, and they want to feed you Batman upon your arrival into the Grodd, I would eat like, him. Kingdom, the gorilla kingdom. Would you take a yes. bite? It's disrespectful. I mean, it's disrespectful to my gorilla wife, <laughs> and I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to her people. Um, and I respect Batman a lot, but is am I marrying Batman? No. Yeah, so we get some action scenes with the Justice League. They, it's really cool. We don't have to go through every single. Yeah, I mean, one of issue them. issue um, three pops off. You finally get. Uh, the the triumphant return of the Justice League. Yeah. I really like. I want to get. I want to apologize, Daniel, because I, you know, I, I just went in on you. I just said you're a bad storyteller <laughs> on the show. I mean, but here's the thing. Yeah, it is. It is a particularly hard thing to do for this book specifically because everything is so interwoven and everything is so like you know the narrative of everything is like. Uh, yeah, it's like, like how details and it's like hyper compressed. How do we? How do you talk about this issue without just describing each panel? Literally, exactly. Like, so it's a, it's an impossible ask until we get to this one. Uh, they fight a lot. Yeah, no, but I actually <laughs> I did want to like take a moment to appreciate the first page of this issue, which okay. starts off with I don't know what country this attire is supposed to be, but. Somebody is basically like giving a, an automated message of like what to do in the event of a superhuman conflict, and I thought that that was so yeah. uh, fascinating. Like, yeah, uh, the the process, how it's described, uh, how it's juxtaposed with Goraiko about to drop. Um, it looks Middle Eastern, right? Because we it see... looks Middle Middle Eastern, yes, but it's strange. Yeah, like on the next panels, we see like uh, like little like. You know, oh yeah, no, stuff. it is Cairo. It's Egypt. I I just oh, I just remember okay. uh, they do mention a little bit of that. Like John mentions yeah. the architecture. John Stewart's like I had to rebuild Egypt. Yeah, um, but you you see like these protocols or or these instructions on what to do in case of like instead of like nuclear fallout, it's literally like superhero events. Yeah, it's just an interesting idea again because like by this point in two thousand five we've seen all these comics where like it was kind of revolutionary for authority and shit to like 
level cities like treat the shit like it's 9 11 yeah. and everyone's um, fighting like before on that we allow that level yeah yeah like before that they weren't leveling cities it was like two guys fighting in the sky or whatever yeah. and now it's like no 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 we're gonna like do real like damage to to cities and like if you're gonna have that you have to like sort of give some sort of indication of what that's like for people living in those cities and you know morrison just does like a quick thing where it's just like okay like you know if this happens then do this yeah avoid direct eye contact you're right that is interesting yeah many have no regard for human life it's 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 very it's very beautiful it's a very beautiful like uh, dissection of what those comics became so gorilla grod is just like talking hot shit to batman while he's roasting him his ass over a flame yeah, and while he's perfect doing moment that, for a monologue. Yeah, while he's doing that, uh, Batman somehow gets free, and then just like they explain, they explain whoops his ass. Yeah, like do you, did you did you figure out how he got free? Go ahead and tell me. Um, there's this panel where there's like a silhouette near him. Yeah, and that is the disembodied self of Warmaker One. Oh shit! My bad. Yeah, okay. like they that makes they sense. explain it later on a little bit further. Yeah, they say Warmaker One was there, but like I didn't get it when I read it because at all, they didn't but I see they it didn't now. account for taking over a disembodied body. <laughs> they didn't take over him because he didn't right, right. exist. Because they can't right. So Warmaker comes in the clutch. Yeah. Fuck. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I I completely understand you because when they cut to like the next page and Batman's free. I was like, "What did a, did a second Batman <laughs> surprise Gorilla Grodd behind him or something? What? How did how did that happen? He was about to bite into Batman's head." Shout out to Warmaker One. He came through in the clutch. Yeah, still a good guy. They're still not terrible, which is something that this series then does at the end. Uh, not to like cut to the end, um, but while the superheroes are dealing with the crisis being created by all of these um, uh, anti-heroes or like violent heroes um, they they do understand that uh, or Morrison is trying to explain that this style can still someday mature yeah so Martian Manhunter is chasing Go- Goraiko but he gets taken out by Olympian uh, who who leaves him on like a burning mountain? Uh, and Olympian is just a Greek superhero that's from Superbia. He's part of the. He's uh, he does dope Olympic shit. His power is dope Olympic stuff. Yeah. Um, he throws a disc at Martian Manhunter. Um, yeah, the only superhero that we like really know from the Ultramarine Corps, like outside of like the the those main four, is, is Vixen. She joins the team. Like yeah, she point. was recognizable I mean, she showed... there. Yeah, she's recognizable, but she was in the comic. She was in the like, you know, the old one from like the nineties. Like she shows up mm-hmm. in that too. I don't know if she show. I don't know if that's where she's from because I don't know too much. No, no, I think Vixen's was an in... older character. Yeah, she's an older character, but there's also the Tasmanian Devil, mm-hmm. Saint Lafleur, whatever the fuck. Superman's gonna um... confront uh, what's his face, Nebulo. Yeah, we get some really good uh, dynamic action shots from from McGinnis. Like pissed off, red eyes Superman works when when you build up to that. Um, for some reason, uh, 
What's it called? Yeah, one of the cool things about Nebula Man, by the uh-huh. way, is in this thing he's talking about the seven, and you're thinking that, that he means the Justice League main seven of Aquaman, Green Lantern, Flash, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Martian Manhunter, because that's yeah. usually what people associate the DC, like the main seven for, but he's actually talking about the seven soldiers of victory. Like he knows that's coming. So he's just like, Oh, fuck this. Like I'm leaving. <laughs> I ain't trying to bullshit this. There's some good moments where Aquaman is flying with Wonder Woman in her invisible jet, which shout outs to this comic making the invisible jet. Uh, just nobody questions it. They're riding together. Um, when Wonder Woman jumps out, Aquaman's like, uh, uh, "Thanks for barking orders at me," and 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 I'm I'm loving it or something. It's it's a little bit kinky. Like Aquaman wants to get domed, and and Wonder <laughs> Woman's like, "Yeah, I've heard, I've heard you're into that shit." Um, but Aquaman gets his moment to shine. Like Morrison writes Aquaman in a way where you're like, "Oh, those things are cool." Morrison gives all the Justice yeah. League members like a moment where it's like this this is why this thing is cool. This is why we like this stuff, you know? It's special in a way that a lot of superheroes are not. And he gets it. He's always gotten it in a way where like other writers I don't really think do. Yeah, it's like they're trying I feel like other writers might be trying to compensate for campiness of of superheroics whereas uh Morrison always uh, thrives in celebrating it. Yeah. Like, and elevating that campiness, like that, you know, that purity of it. Um, I don't want to talk about like specific moments from like other books, but there's like, you know, just so many that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, there's a great one where, um, was it Goraiko? I can never yeah. remember the name. Yeah. Goraiko is still just like leveling buildings and shit. And she only, it only stops because, Aquaman sees the like the the little it's like a like a young woman who's in control of it and she's got like a little like Goraiko like little doll like a vinyl figure mm-hmm. like a plush or something and uh he just talks to her in Japanese and he's like hey anyone <laughs> this good. is a case of like if any listeners actually know what's being said in Japanese yeah that's the kind of information I do want to know <laughs> But you get the idea of what's being said just because of like the look on yeah, his face and like the fact he's that he's saying it, how much for your panties. <laughs> is that not what the exchange is? I don't think so. Okay, sorry. I'm I'm just I am a connoisseur of Japanese culture, and I, that's kind of what it felt like that conversation was getting at. So, so the Justice League saved the day, as we all knew they yes. would. And Superman says, you apes, like he talks to the other ape, not Gorilla Grodd, but his like... Crew. I love it. He says, you apes... He's, he's like a, 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 sh- a shunning father in that scene. Yeah, he says, you apes were led astray by a cunning manipulator, a bunch of dumb slogans and a few bananas, and you belong to anybody, it seems. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You'll be returned to your own people and for your punishment in Gorilla City. Grood... In light of your crimes, the international community has asked us to consider a total disembodiment and incarceration procedure, phantom zone imprisonment. And he says, "Oh, mind all jelly." The gorillas. Because he got fucked. The gorillas up. in this panel look like all the, the the viral videos of dogs getting caught in the act. It's like Maxwell, <laughs> Maxwell, what are you doing? And they're just like a golden retriever that's like destroyed. So Superman says, "And as for you." 
And then uh, Tasmanian Devil says, admit it, Scott, this is a public relations apocalypse for the Ultramarine Corps. And uh, War War Maker 1 says, my team was operating under control of mystery cosmic neuroparasites. Um, And then Jack O'Lantern says, talk like that, sure to impress the judge, big fella. And then Superman says, you know, you were a disaster waiting to happen, War Maker. Superheroes who don't mind killing to achieve their ends can be wrong, can be dangerous in the wrong hands. Like, just your existence is fucked here. Like, it's not about, like, oh, did we, you know... This is this is like, always going like, yeah, to be a problem. Yeah, you were mind control, but, you know... They're, like, if they're standing for nukes, it's like, this is about, like, having less nukes, not having, you know... Yeah. Um, he says, it hasn't, if it hasn't been for Squire, the bravery of Squire, who knows what might have happened... Don't you realize death is not a, is no object to most of the enemies we deal with? Quite frankly, as an alternative to some super punishments we've had to devise over the years, executions a walk in the park. These no-nonsense solutions of yours just don't hold water in a complex world of jet-powered apes and time travel. It's <laughs> just such a good Morrison kind of fucking Perfect thing to say. conclusion. He says, but... But there's a growing universe that needs strong guiding hand to keep the straight and narrow. You have big ideas. It says start small, and they send the uh, they send the Ultramarine Corps into the Infinite Universe of Quick, and you just see like the tiny. You, we go back to the sixteen panel grid. We see, you know, an explosion all the, going all the off. Horrors somebody of the about world. to be somebody about to be executed. A baby reaching for a gun. A person injecting heroin. You don't know if that baby is trying uh, to defend uh, itself, though. That's a that's a, an <laughs> assumption that that baby grabbing a gun is a bad thing, but you don't know if somebody He's... broke an entering and baby's just exerting his Second Amendment. We see a man slapping a woman. We see a cop taking pay from a criminal. We see just like you know a, a busted up. It was like a train. Or I, something. Yeah, I don't know if, if then we the see train's nukes. supposed to mean anything, but rockets are being shot up. Well, there's there's problems. There's real world problems. Yes. And then uh, we see Knight say, a doomed micro-Earth in an infant universe. And uh, Jack-O-Lantern says, with no such thing as superheroes. And the Warmaker says, this should be interesting. And then seconds to go, the end. And it's basically like giving them a redemption story of just like, we're going to send you guys <laughs> to an infant universe. Like, you can, you can be, you could rewrite your history. Like, we're not saying, like, these kinds of superheroes are bad. But like you said that they can they can be reborn that they can be changed in something positive and good and again that's why like going back a bit that's why this whole thing of like the punisher as like a you know a a concept that has been taken from us that we can't control anymore nonsense you know it's just you a lot of people that are talking about it i think it's not the it's not the concept that's corrupted it's you know it's you that's like maybe too weak willed to to make it something good. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 Punisher as, as a, as a story a, that is a story that's worth telling. You know, as a Death Wish fantasy is always it's always going to be reactionary. That yeah. like it, you have to take it away from that. You have to like like I'm not saying make it social justice Punisher. I'm saying like punish the people that (laughs) all of society really like wants to i'm not trying to like fix the punisher right now but just have this conversation you know show the punisher for the a bad not a morally conflicted character a bad thing like you know one of the things that i like uh one of the things that i had really fun with 
was uh, doing Punisher as like a Vietnam war hero and just like looking up Vietnam imagery, looking about that and thinking about what, what does a man who survived a war like that, what kind of world that they came back to and the way society treated them and the way they were bound to lash out in ways like that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there, there's interesting ways to talk about that stuff. You know, like, look at Taxi Driver. There, the, These stories, these images, they're not bigger than us. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about this story is, like, these are characters that I think Morrison really didn't like. Like, you know, the ideas of it, the concepts of it. Like, when I read when I read about it in the book, he doesn't seem to have... Like, he, he has respect for it. He has, you know, he acknowledges that that's a thing that people enjoyed, but it's at odds with his vision of what superhero should be. And, and he treats it as such. Right. And specifically in this, in the last one too, but in the last one, he was like, Oh, wouldn't it be crazy if like, this was a thing. And then this one, he was like, yep, it was crazy. <laughs> Time to put them away. Now. Yeah. This one was like, yes, it was. And let's move on. From and that. the thing is like, we've taken that out of the Pandora's box now. And like, now everything is that like, now we've gotten to a point where, like, like we talked about in the Civil War episode, everything is the Civil War shit now. Yes. You could see that in the fact that there was a movie about the comic and uh, people that were ha- trying to overthrow the government were wearing shirts, parodies on that thing. Like, you know, saying that the superhero concept because of Punisher is corrupt, you'd have to say that about all Marvel movies, all Marvel comics that came from and led to those things. Like that's that's just not it's just not true though. I'm, I'm no longer drawing Iron Man. <laughs> the concept right. is corrupt, and uh, we yeah. shouldn't be encouraging Marvel to uh, continue to make Iron Man content when we realize how uh, problematic it is to have a straight up billionaire uh, dictating. Uh, what is right and wrong in coordination with the government in civil war. Yeah. And I think like Morrison in, in this doesn't think that like superheroes, he's never, I think really felt like superheroes should be, you know, nationalistic kind of figures. And I think the, the all the stuff that you read of his after this, I think it goes away in showing that, but specifically like Superman, like they, I don't think he ever talks about the American way in that book and all star Superman. Yeah. The, the, the nationalistic aspect of Superman is very strange. Uh, yeah. It, well, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get we'll, to some of that we'll, stuff later, but I, I do think it's interesting. Like we were able to tie this ultramarine core, this random three issues of a thing into the, to the moment, you know, we were <laughs> good for us. Good for comics. You definitely suggested um, this before Wednesday. So it wasn't, I said, I told you to read this on like Monday, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. just for, just for, as a light reading you. So we're just going to have a light short episode. It, it, I thought it won't even crack. No, I, didn't, I never said, I never said short. I just said it was going to be something we could talk about Breezy. easily. um but i i i i have a such an appreciation for i don't i i I keep wanting to say silver age wrongly Mm -hmm. but this is timeless justice league i well yeah i think it's just i think it's just morrison honestly like yeah but but I, I I just mean in how they look visually, like as Ed McGinnis draws all these characters, they're unmistakable 
for what they are. Like sometimes there there is a lot to appreciate in like a redesign or a refreshing of concepts and ideas. But then I read this book and I'm I'm always upset at how easy they are to read and understand like you cleared up a lot with the backstory of 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 what these characters uh the ultramarine corps represent and yeah. it it gives much more context to than what morrison was trying to dissect and undo or uh, yeah. in in this book but without that context i was like this is dope as fuck this is yeah you don't need that context yeah. but it's sick this book is a party batman has a justice league lab on pluto he has a ufo mobile or a bat ufo um you don't you don't question it you just enjoy it did you uh, did you ever read his other jla comics um no i like i said i feel like uh, i've been mostly like a frank quietly purist i've read uh morrison's batman stuff mm-hmm. um and have appreciated a lot of those big ideas as well but then you'd have like three issues drawn by like who was it tony daniels um that was r.i.p okay um uh philip tan yeah stuff's kind of sick yeah, but, yeah. But uh, like, no, I mean, like the the shift, my, the shift my, my in artists. Reason I asked though is because that was a lot of like this energy was like that. I just don't. Th- it was Howard Porter drawing it, so it wasn't quite like the art wasn't quite as good. It was I think more inconsistent. But the like sort of if you like that pacing, if you like the sort of just like okay, here's another idea, another idea, another like that's what that is. That is, and like he kind of like like I said, that was a very important comic when that came out. Like it. I know because I wasn't reading comics then, but the wizard magazines that I had, like the, <laughs> yeah, the they... back issue wizard magazines, that book was always popping in like the, you know, the top spots of like most sold and like, you know, yeah. it was a very important like book for DC specifically. Cause yeah, it's not uh, like I didn't just... know it. It did. It's not like I didn't know it existed uh, because I yeah. definitely remember the Howard Porter cover for the first justice league being on like a bajillion lists. Yeah the the only thing I the only thing I had problem with this one was they gave us everybody but Kyle Rayner as cool as John Stewart is it would have been better with Kyle um, I that was I will his... grant you I will grant you that complaint because it comes from like a very personal bias Yeah I mean he's my favorite but also he was in the original like JLA that Morrison did mm-hmm. Uh, but I get why they did this because the cartoon, like yeah. I, as I was the... watching this, I was like, "This is an episode off the cartoon, and I love it." Like yeah. seeing Wonder Woman look like she looked like a toy. She had like a toy shield. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she was in her toy invisible jet. Um, everything felt like I was reading the best of superhero comics. Yeah. So, any other thoughts on that before we could start <clears throat> winding down? Um, uh, le- wait, let me, let me give a quick glance to, to my notes. Honestly, no, we, we, we covered it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we did. And then we kept going a bit. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry if my, if my narration was, wasn't up to snuff. I was just trying to, I mean, like, I was, get I'm the... worried that if people are listening to this when they're driving, you're going to put them to sleep and cause a car accident. That's all. I mean, you know, life happens. 
Sorry about that. Life happens. This is what it is. You know what? Like I said, it's particularly hard to do this one. Like, uh, and I forgot how sort of like unwieldy it is until it's we started dense. doing this. If I tell you what's happening in one page, yeah. without mentioning six different details of another, uh, it's hard to even understand like what happens on the next page. But I, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's an underrated classic, and I think, like I said, it sort of is. It lit the spark for like I think the best run in comics, like for a writer, just to do like he did All Star Superman, which is the best Superman stuff. He did Batman, which is the best Batman stuff. He did Seven Soldiers of Victory, which is just like uh, it's just the best Seven Soldiers stuff. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like it's it's just insane. Like if you thought this was hard to hard to do, he did that throughout seven different comics. He did seven comics. That each had, I think, three issues, with a with a beginning and an ending issue that tied, like the beginning one sets up some of the villain stuff, and the last one they all come together accidentally when like a car crash and like one character is doing this, one character is doing that. Like the final issue of all of their stories is in this one issue, so they had to nail it. And like JG Jones draws it, and everybody's drawn in a different style. It's just like it's. It's insane. Like I read it, I read the whole thing in one night on like a New Year's Eve, uh, when I was a lot younger, <laughs> um, and it like it blew my mind. When you had the attention span to just read comics for an extended amount of time. I mean, yeah, I like started it at like you know six o'clock, and I just kept going and going and going until like it was like you know like five in the morning. I was like, wow, that was great. <laughs> like I read. I read seven four issue things like it's I don't know it's like four trades worth of material that like just got through this is amazing but I feel you like know, I, he did that mm-hmm. he did Final Crisis which I think is the best event book ever he did you know he just like he went crazy yeah, Morrison he just did... owned throughout all of that yeah so we should I wanted to I just wanted to I wanted to once I wanted to sort of like give a taste of like what I want to talk about also later in some of these Morrison things mm-hmm. like. Fuck, this book is so good. Yeah, <laughs> like I, this one is, but like it led, it led, it ushered in so many great stuff. It was the dam when he talks about like the dam was going to break. This is the dam breaking. I I I wanted to uh, make sure that we uh, at least touched upon or acknowledged uh, that the letter. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, that's a joke. Actually, like I looked up who this letterer was and their name is Phil Ballsman. <laughs> feels bad, man. <laughs> it, it's either like feels bad man or like he feels balls man. Um right. but no, what I actually wanted to like acknowledge or talk about is that what Grant Morrison being this person who is um so ahead of his time and so uh uh, against the current or, or so in his own wavelength recently uh, in interviews expressed that his gender was always in somewhere form non-binary he just didn't have the uh, words to express it that way but like we have been referring to him as he. oh shit yeah um and it's uh, in my case, like I was aware of that we were doing it, but it's because he also 
um, expressed that he wasn't uh, picky on the subject. A lot of these older people who who are kind of coming into this non-binary identity have like lived a lot of their lives as um, just accepting the pronouns that they were given. Yeah. And Morrison didn't make any statements of how uh, they wanted to be addressed. Uh, right. So I, I, I just wanted to like uh, acknowledge that while we were recording. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I, I completely, you know, I always, I always forget about that about him specific them specifically because it's like yeah, I don't know them, <laughs> you know, like I, I, and I just, uh, it was just like yeah, it just blanked on when I, we started this. Yeah, you want to re-record it? You want to re-record <laughs> yeah, three just, hours? Let's just re-record <laughs> the episode. Or how about this? How about you say them once and they once. And I say it, no, no, and you no, just no. insert no, it no, into no, every no. single time because we did, we couldn't have said Grant Morrison that much. We can, right? Grant, I don't know. We, but anyways, shout out to Grant Morrison. <laughs> shout out to Grant Morrison for living their life. You know, yeah. true, honest. Twenty 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 one. Always living his life to to the fullest. Yeah, and uh, Daniel, where can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Google Daniel Daniel Irizarry. Uh, y'all know y'all know where to find me. Yeah, you can follow me at Ramon Villalobos. But more importantly, in case I'm banned again, do follow our Twitter account uh, at Flentayo on Twitter. That gave me twelve hours worth of uh, content yesterday. Yeah, it's to an just, important source like, you know, of Ramon news. Whenever yeah, Ramon's I had to post up. There. Had to post up in there and kind of get my shit off and. Uh, yeah, make sure to check us out on Patreon. I do want to say thank you very much again to our Patreon supporters because, um, you know, we we started to get some more and it, it feels really good to, you know, be able, you know, we've got 11 patrons so far, but it feels really good to be able to know that, like, there are people that are willing to, like, support us in that way. Thank um, you very pretty, much, Patreon. Pretty sweet. We don't, we don't ask, you know, like... We don't ask just because, like, oh, fuck, that, you know, we want the money or whatever. We just, like, it, it's good to be able to do this, and I don't have to worry about paying about uh, paying any of the fees that goes along with it. Yeah, like, the hosting. You know, hosting and all that shit. So, uh, anyways, that being said, mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much, and take it away. Hell yeah, babies. Bye-bye.